0: lot talk radio
1: There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons, I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful.
2: All right, folks, it's Wednesday night at seven o'clock. We got a good show uh, coming up for you. We got an action-packed show. We've uh, moved some things around as you've seen. We've had uh, Reggie, who's going to be coming in at six thirty. We got a, a very good group of specialists coming in from the Low Country. Here we got Stratford High School represented. We got Oceanside represented. We got Myrtle Beach High School represented. We get all the way over to North Augusta. So we have some very talented specialists coming in from seven to eight o'clock. Sponsored by yours truly in the uh, Country Kicking Academy. I uh, hope to be able to get some other guys around the state. Uh, South Carolina is just loaded at that position uh, for 2021, and especially 2022. I uh, looked around while trying to help some of these guys do some of their recruiting efforts and take a look at some college rosters to see, you know, where, how they stacked up, uh, how many guys they have on scholarship or, or just on the roster in general. Over the next uh, two years, and around the country, you'd be surprised at just how many kids from the state of South Carolina represented all over the country on rosters as specialists. But uh, you know, so we'll we'll cover those guys starting at seven o'clock. Um, we'll, we'll travel over to North Augusta and interview Drew Stevens. He's uh, a guy that's a rising junior. Uh, he'll be the starting now over at North Augusta High School. Uh, he's already done some big things on the national scene at some of the competitions, as well as uh, a competition in South Carolina that pitted him against uh, some guys from South Carolina and North Carolina. At 7.15, we're going to travel over to back over to the uh, east side of the state and uh, talk with Spencer McKinley. He's also a 2022 guy, uh, ranked number 26th in the nation by Coles Kicking. Um, he'll be, uh, like I said, he'll be a rising junior as well. Uh, We're going to head up at 7.30 up to Myrtle Beach, and we'll be uh, talking with the Myrtle Beach kicker as well. He's doing a great job. Looks like uh, he may have a little bit of interest in some of the schools. I've seen some stuff on the social media, but we'll get into that with him about uh, perhaps uh, University of North Carolina, and then we'll finish up with the specialist at 7.45. We're going to come back uh, to Lowcountry area and sit down and talk with uh, Stratford Rising sophomore. Now, this kid, if you saw him in the street, you'd think he's – a defensive tackle who's a rising senior, but he's a rising sophomore soccer guy uh, playing football. Uh, he's going to be playing kicker for our um, for Stratford High School and Coach Denny over there this year, and that's Matthew Haas. So, you know, so that's what we'll do from 7 to 8 o'clock. We'll bounce around and catch up with those guys and see what's going on with them and, and what they're doing and, how you know, the kind of season and, and their goals for themselves and their teams this coming year. Uh, at 8 o'clock, Rookie and I are going to open up the show. We're gonna have the mic and the phone lines open. Uh, There's so much to cover because we've kind of switched the schedule around uh, so much lately that we really haven't had a uh, the old sit down, coming to Jesus type thing with what's going on here, there, and everywhere. You know, so we'll touch on some of that during 6:30 with uh, Reggie Walker, who joins us uh, as usual every week. You know, obviously we've moved from Monday, um, or excuse me, Tuesday, Thursday to now Monday, Wednesday. So he's going to be joining us on Wednesday. Uh, Just kind of recap, so Monday, Wednesday is going to be your normal show with Southern Sports Central. That's Richie and myself. Uh, Tuesday, 6 o'clock, Everett Sands, if you tuned in last night, uh, has his show starting at 6 o'clock on Thursday night. Miss V and the South Carolina High School Blitz folks are taking over the show in the studio on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Friday, 7 a.m., we got Sports Unlimited uh, with uh, Brandon Biskobing, and he's going to be – doing his thing on friday at 7 a.m i imagine it's going to be kind of heavy with some of the high school things uh games you know everybody knows we'll be having some probably some scrimmages this week i know a few teams are scrimmaging this week definitely next week and then as of now south carolina high school football kicks up for the public schools kicks off september 25th so that's going to be a little over two weeks from now guys are starting to put on those pads and and pop those pads at practice. I know uh, Richie is over uh, at Fort Dorchester. He's trying to do some things over there. He's trying to interview some guys and, and see what they have going on. I know Fort Dorchester is kind of a school that's always kind of in the headlines, uh, especially around the lower state uh, and 5A football. They always have a team that seems to uh, make that at least the lower state final. You know, they won state championship. They've been state runners up. They've been the uh, lower state runner up the past couple of years to those uh, young folks up there in Columbia area, Lexington area, at Fort Dorchester. So he's over at uh, Fort Dorchester's practice. They should be wrapping up. He should be joining us here in a few minutes. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, as everybody knows, when we were on the Tuesday, Thursday, we had Jay Williams, and he was the commissioner of the South Carolina Youth Football Association Uh, He's going to be taking over or trying to take over on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. to recap uh, the week's games, Uh, talk about some of those players who did well on the football field as well as the classroom. And, again, it's not just football. He's going to be discussing some of the uh, cheerleading uh, young ladies out there who uh, are – doing their best, rooting on their teams. Um, you know, they put in just as much time as the football players sometimes. And uh, so, we he's going to be able to come on and talk about, you know, what's going on over the week, some of the games, give some highlights and recaps. Sunday at 6 p.m., uh, looks like we're kind of uh, – we're hoping to set this up Sunday at 6 with a South Carolina Sunday Showcase with the professor. Now, uh, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be a kind of a wrap of uh, all of South Carolina sports. On, you know, throughout the week, and again, uh, that we're looking forward to trying to get that set up for Sunday at 6 p.m. So, again, if you have any uh, questions about what lineup is, you can certainly check us out on Twitter at So Sports Central, uh, and that's you know, there's a pinned tweet at the top. It kind of gives you the uh, outline and the rundown of uh, which shows are going to be where. But Rich and I will be kind of directing traffic for a lot, for a lot of uh, aspects in this, and we're going to be keeping it going, keeping this show rolling. You know, and we'll be on the shows with the other guys or which he was on last night with Coach Sands. If if, You know, someone's new to this that didn't really know who Coach Sands was, Coach Sands has played, um, he grew up playing high school football in Conway. He played football at the Citadel. He's on one of the famous teams, some considered to be one of the greatest teams of all time in Citadel history. Knocked off uh, Arkansas on the road. Knocked off the South Carolina team. Uh, That team was pretty stacked back in the day for Coach Charlie Taft. Uh, he's uh, coached in Texas. He's coached in Arkansas. He's a uh, coach at University of South Carolina. He's running back coach. He's coached down uh, over at the Citadel. He's coached uh, most recently at Coastal Carolina. And so now he's kind of doing his thing. Um, I guess he, in a sense, is retired from coaching, but he's running the WES Foundation. and WES Foundation Fosters Inclusion by promoting excellence in sports, academics, life, leadership skills, community engagement, service to all, it's the uh, West Foundation, and you can find that at wesffc dot com and check out uh, what Coach Sands is doing for these young folks in the community. And like he said, you know, there's so much more to the game than just putting on a helmet, pads, you know, tackling a guy, running the football, passing a football, kicking a football, catching a football, and so that's kind of what the West Foundation is doing and uh you can check out more again check out that website and uh see what coach Shane's has going on but you know at 610 we're going to roll along we got like I said Richie will be joining us as soon as he gets done with practice 6:30 our, our main man will be joining us Reggie now with the boat come out it looks like the Big 10 is definitely not going to play at least when the other uh ACC uh SEC and, and Big 12 get started, there's been so many rumblings lately that the Big 10 might start something in October or November instead of waiting until February or March or canning the season altogether. Haven't heard anything out of the Big 12, but as you know, uh, Reggie played for Joe pa at Penn State. He has an ear to the ground when it comes to all these Big 10. He's in the big major hub of Charlotte. Uh, he covers sports in the Charlotte area as well as being the voice for Gardner-Webb and um, – and Liberty University. So he's going to have his ear on the show. He's going to be talking to us about that. I'm sure he's got some better insight. And every time we hear something about the Big Ten, as a matter of fact, every time we hear something about sports in general as it relates to, you know, what may be played, not played, when it comes to this virus, what you hear today might be fact. Then again, tomorrow might change. and That's kind of the revolving nature that we're in, uh, similar to an injury report. You know, you look at your team on Sunday. They may have looked like the Super Bowl champions. Then you look at that roster report or that injury report on Monday. Everybody's cool. You're looking forward to Sunday. You're going to win the next game and go on to the Super Bowl. Then all of a sudden you see on Tuesday or Wednesday, so-and-so tweaked an ankle at practice. Now you start feeling like, whoa, what's going on? Maybe we don't. What if that's your star player? What if it's your quarterback, your running back, your defensive end? Whatever it may be. That's kind of what the, the nature of sports is right now that we cover, is that on one day – one thing looks one way, and then the next day, when that report comes in, whether it be a, a DHEC or a similar organization report about you know viruses and, and uh, testing levels and positive rates, kind of it's almost like an injury report where you see things aren't going to happen, and that's what happened this week. Um, I believe it was Baylor had their first game set up; they were playing uh, Louisiana Tech. Now L- Baylor has done all the things that they need to do uh, according to their staffs and coaches, what they've put out on media all the media reports is they've pretty much been set to go. They're ready to play this game. However, it is reported at least that uh, Louisiana Tech may have had some COVID issues. Uh, There may be some protocols and things that just the fellas over there or the decision makers that Baylor just didn't feel comfortable with. Anyway, that game has been postponed, and so they will not be playing this weekend. We do, however, have a lot of college football this weekend. One of the big games that's certainly being talked about is uh wake uh clemson at wake forest uh i know the starting quarterback at, at wake forest well he played for oceanside the first year that that i was coaching there he was a young guy that i always turned to is he a hell of a leader on the team he's team captain uh i can say this anytime i needed something resonated or sent out to all the players on the team uh i certainly went through sam to start with and it was taken care of uh for example, I'll tell you, on Friday mornings, uh, we didn't let the kids take the jerseys home on Thursday night back then. On Friday mornings, I would come to the school at 7 o'clock. We wanted the varsity players to be able to don that jersey all day as they deserve wearing it in front of their, their teachers, their classmates, and, and administration. And so I would get to the school at 7. Well, you know, sometimes other kids don't show up at 7, 7.30. They have later starts, things like that, different class schedules. So I would pass out as all the jerseys I could get to, go down the, top, the entire roster, and sometimes it seemed like I'd have about six or seven left over just standing there. And Sam was always the guy to come up and just say, I got it, coach. And he'd just take all seven of them from across his shoulder and make sure those guys got their jerseys the moment they got them in school so they could you know, be a part of the team and represent that jersey just like everybody else. So I'm, I'm not necessarily i a, a – I'm definitely not a Clemson hater. I'd like to pull for Clemson, but I just got that special sweet spot in my heart for Wake Forest. And I'm certainly rooting on Sam to have a good game. Uh, I'd like to see what he could do against uh, Wake Forest. You know, this would be Sam's junior year. I think he's got a chance. You know, he's a guy that's a gunslinger. And I've seen this guy stand at the 50-yard line, throw footballs, and hit the crossbar on the field post. you know, consecutively. He's a guy that's just got that moxie. He's got that talent. He's got the uh, – All of the it factor, and I don't know. I'm definitely not an NFL scout. I can't say that it translates to the NFL, but I'd definitely like to see this young man get a shot. He's certainly endured a lot of things in his life, and if people don't know, there's plenty of articles written about him. Uh, Frankie Mansfield did one in the Moultrie News that was very inspiring. Uh, It was a great read, and Frankie did a great job with that article. Obviously, you can watch QB1, the year that Sam was at Oceanside. Again, that was the first year I was coaching Oceanside. So that season of season two of QB1 also features some of Sam in high school. So you can definitely check that out. But um, we're going to head to a quick break. When we get back, we're going to do some more recap. We're going to discuss, you know, what's going on uh, and some of the schedules, some of the highlight games for this week, uh, weekend, and in the SEC and ACC, certainly, again, we got the University of Tennessee coming down to South Carolina. It means a lot to a lot of folks in South Carolina. Of course, South Carolina fans want to win, but there are a lot of uh, – there are quite a few kids some very talented athletes that left the state of South Carolina to attend the University of Tennessee and play football for Coach Pruitt. And uh, those kids as well as their family, friends, coaches, and teammates are probably rooting for them uh, here in the state of South Carolina. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and we're going to discuss these games coming up on Saturday. Stay tuned. Now we're going to hit these uh, college uh, play, or excuse me, college games this Saturday. It's going to be the first Saturday uh, for some of these major matchups. Now I know some of the teams have been playing. We have seen some college football. There have been some great games already played, some really close ones as well as some blowouts. Really felt bad for the midshipmen. Uh, just trying to kind of have that sweet spot for the service academies, those uh, young men and women that pledge uh, the service to our country. It's an amazing pledge. It's an amazing sacrifice. And, you know, those men that get out there and play football as well that's even a, a larger sacrifice for them because they have to not only play football with all the rigors of division one football, but they also have to maintain all of their, uh, service academy uh, commitments as well. So without further ado, we're going to hit, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, September 10th. UAB the Blazers from Alabama, Birmingham travel to Miami. That is the hurricanes and it's played down in Miami, uh, I'm going with Miami in this game. I just think that uh, I know that Miami's not ranked. I know they're not, quote, unquote, the U that they used to be. I really feel like that Miami does have a chance. They just seem to be so close the last few years. I think Manny Diaz is, is a great coach. Uh, he may or may not be the coach to get them back to those Butch Davis days where they stacked you know, first-round draft picks on both sides of the, uh, the ball, and, and it just seemed like they were just ran roughshod shot over uh, all teams, you know, they can have a close one or two here or there in the season, but those teams were just, um, just stacked with NFL talent. There's some of those guys still playing on NFL rosters. But I'm definitely going with the with the Keynes on this one. As a Gator fan, that hates me, to, it hurts me to say that, but I'm definitely going with the Canes. Friday, September 11th, SMU at TCU. Now that one that was also been postponed, so we won't be able to give you a prediction on that one. Uh, I mean, I, I can say I. I Strongly, TCU would win that game, uh, but we won't be able to see it, so there's no point in making prediction. All right, now coming up to we'll call it the first Super Saturday, and that's Super Saturday with uh, tons and tons of teams playing. So we're going to go down them pretty quickly because uh, Regal will be coming in here at 6:30. Syracuse at North Carolina. I'm definitely going North Carolina. I think North Carolina ranked number 18 in the country is a little low. I think they actually might be the team in the ACC. Uh, to surprise Clemson and if they do so. Uh, I don't think it would be a surprise as well as they played them last year, but I think that's a team that if anybody's going to knock off Clemson from the ACC, I think it's North Carolina. Louisiana and Iowa State, I'll go with the Big 12 on this one. I'm going to go with Iowa State. They're ranked 23rd. They always seem to have a good defense, kind of swarm to the ball, create havoc. Playing uh, at Iowa State is never fun uh, for a lot of teams, so I'm definitely going to Iowa State in this one. Now, this one's going to be a good one, Charlotte at App State. It's not a very far drive. These teams aren't separated by much. Ah, you know, it, it, this is a toss-up for me. I'm kind of leaning App State, even though I feel like I, I'd like to see Charlotte win that game. I just think App State's kind of a little bit further along. Both head coaches for both these teams are superstars in the making, and uh, I feel like they're going to be head coaches at Power 5 schools coming up very soon. Eastern Kentucky at West Virginia. I'm going to take West Virginia in that game. Arkansas State at Kansas State. I'm going to go Kansas State. Uh, Louisiana Monroe at Army. I'm going to go with the Army in this game. I just feel like the service academies, you know, that when you try to defend that like Louisiana Monroe is going to have to do, it's really tough to prepare. I know they've had a long time to prepare for it. It's just when you see it in person, it kind of smacks you in the face. So, I'm going to go with Army in this one. Duke at Notre Dame. I'll take Notre Dame and Ian Book at quarterback in that game. Georgia Tech at Florida State. Now, I'm going to go with Georgia Tech in this game. I just feel like they're they're going to start turning that – I hope they're going to start turning that page, start turning that corner soon. I, I love Georgia Tech. I love the university. Um, and I'm not saying that I dislike Florida State, being that I'm a Gator fan. I just, you know, just it's until you can see something positive out of Florida State football, which we haven't seen in years. Uh, I just it, – it's just hard to pull for them unless they're playing – Um, a directional team at this point. You know, it's kind of a show me. Show me who your quarterback's going to be, Florida State. Show me some of those guys you used to have. Show me some defensive guys, some of those speed guys, and let's see it, you know, put up, and then we'll uh, put you up on the board. UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio, Texas State. I'll go with the mean green in this one, so I can uh, hit up that. Let's see. Um, Campbell at Georgia Southern. I think I'm going to take Georgia Southern this game. It's that Georgia Southern. Those guys are returning some ball players. Austin P- Pittsburgh. Now I like Pittsburgh. I really like the coach and staff there. Uh, you know, it's kind of a brick by brick building for those guys. They're going to have a few speed guys. They always seem to have this tricky, good athletic uh, wide receiver. Um, I- I'm just going to go with all. Well, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh in this one. Missouri State at Oklahoma. Definitely going to Oklahoma in this one. I know it'll be Spencer's Rattlers' first time at the helm, so to speak, where he's controlling everything. We know what Lincoln Riley can do with the quarterback. I just think Oklahoma, Missouri State's walking into a hornet's nest. Oklahoma's got something to prove. They're tired of making that Final Four and getting knocked out. Citadel, South Florida. As much as I'd love to pull for the Bulldogs, uh, I think uh, you know Coach Scott is building something down at South Florida. He's recruited well. And, if you're from the low country, you got a receiver there on the team who played at First Baptist. I think uh, Coach Scott and South Florida get the win there. Uh, just, uh, I'd just i love to see uh, the Citadel go in and play well and get an upset, but I just don't think that they have the firepower to keep up with South Florida. Number one, Clemson to Wake Forest. I think Clemson wins this game. I'd love to see Wake Forest and Hartman get that win. Uh, you know, it, it, I don't even know the line on this game. If the line is something astronomical like it was last year with 40-something points, I'd take weight force in this game. Um, I'm just, you know, every year you think, though, that Clemson's is going to take that step back. They've lost this. They lost this to the NFL, graduation, et cetera, et cetera. I know they're returning Trevor Lawrence and Travis ATN. I think Clemson wins this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like, you know, in years past where it's 30, 40, 50 points. Next up is Tulane at South Alabama. I like what Tulane's doing. I've been checking out them uh, a lot for the rosters, uh, so to speak, because of some of the specialists that I train are interested in Tulane uh, University. So, I've been checking them out. I really think Tulane's got a chance in this one. UTEP, University of Texas at El Paso at Texas. I go with Texas. I'm a big Herman fan. Um, You know, they're ranked number 14 in the nation for a reason. Somebody knows something. They're bringing back some talent. You know, this team not too long ago whipped Georgia, one of the best teams that Georgia had. And, uh, you know, Texas, they'll get it going. You know, how is it that Oklahoma can still rule the state of Texas when it comes to re- recruiting? I don't know. Hopefully Herman Cain has it figured out. You know, this is a guy that was at – when he was at University of Houston would bring in five-star talent over Oklahoma and Texas. So, if he can do that, University of Texas with the facilities, fan base, money, et cetera, et cetera, I think uh, he'll get Texas rolling. Texas at 14 in the nation, I'm picking them over UTEP. Western Kentucky at Louisville. I'll take Louisville. I think it's a rebuilding program. Uh, Coach Satterfield is going to do a great job there. He did a great job at App State. And I think Louisville just, again, you know, it's a power five against Western Kentucky. They just have so many more resources and recruiting and things like that. Um, So I'm going to take Louisville on that one. Houston Baptist at Texas Tech. I really don't know much about Houston Baptist. I haven't been able to research them, haven't looked them up. You know, Texas Tech is always seems to be a, a team that can put up points no matter who's coaching them. I'll take Texas Tech in a shootout. Uh, Coastal Carolina at Kansas. Now, boy, this is interesting. Last year, who beat Kansas? Coastal Carolina. Does Les Miles lose two in a row to Coastal Carolina? You know, I, I love Coach Korn and those guys at Coastal. Uh, they're a bunch of players on that team I respect. Um, you know, I just I think the Mad Hatter is not falling for it. I don't think the Manhattan gets upset twice, especially in his house. I'm going to go with Kansas in this game, and it's not because they're the power five school. I just think that uh, they won't they won't look past Coastal. After losing last year, they can't afford to lose to Coastal two years in a row. Uh, I'll take Kansas, but I'm thinking the game's going to be a lot closer than, uh, than what you would think uh, a school going out to play a Big 12 school would be. So that's the lineup uh, for the weekend. And uh, you've heard my picks, you' feel feel free to tweet back at me, let me know your picks. Let me know where I was wrong. Right. hey, you idiot! How did you pick against my team? That's fine. Just give me some reason. If you think your team's better, or a team that I picked is better than the team uh I didn't pick, or vice versa? You know give me a shout out and let me know uh you can hit us up on Twitter. I just put up that tweet that just says, "Hey." We're going to give those picks uh, coming up after break. Speaking of break, we're going to take a quick break here again. Uh, we're going to welcome our Reginald Walker, Jr., is going to be joining us at 630. So we're going to hit that quick break so that when he calls in, we can get down to business. I'll see you after break. We're going to jump back in here because I just realized that uh, with all those teams and matchups, we didn't hit the SEC schedule. SEC schedule coming up on, uh, it'll be beginning on week one. Richie and I had already covered some of those games. So, what we're going to do here is uh, touch on those SEC games. I can give my predictions because, you know what? I have the studio to myself. Uh, Richie will be joining us soon. But until then, I'm going to give you my thoughts. On, on the upcoming schedule. And, uh, you know, we've covered some of those earlier. We gave our predictions. We gave, you know, who we thought would win this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, he didn't like some of my picks, but that's okay. So uh, without further ado, you know, the first game again, we're going to talk about will be the uh, South Carolina Tennessee game. Uh, I think Tennessee is going to come in and, and take that game. Uh, it, I'm not going to say it's an easy game. I'd like to see, South Carolina win. There are a couple guys on the team I want to I want to see do do really well. I just think Tennessee is now on a mission. Pruitt has to show himself. So we'll definitely see what's up with that. So um, for week one, Florida at Ole Miss. I'm gonna pick Florida. Florida in that game. They're ranked eighth. I think they have the best returning quarterback in the SEC this year. Uh, so we am definitely going with Florida. And I'm a Gator fan, so we're gonna do with that. Auburn at uh, Kentucky at Auburn. I'm gonna take Auburn in that game. Mississippi State at LSU. I'll go with LSU. George at Arkansas, definitely going with Georgia. Arkansas hasn't proved anything yet with the new staff. Alabama at Missouri will take Alabama. Uh, Vanderbilt at Texas A and think everybody's gonna see what we see in Texas A and M, and that's gonna be a bad behind team. They're gonna put up a lot of points. They're gonna have a nasty defense. So they're gonna be really, really fast to get into the ball. And then finally again we're gonna end up with Tennessee at South Carolina. I think Tennessee wins that game. But uh so anyway, uh it is now we have a. Uh, Reggie will be joining us here in just a second, Um, but we're going to turn it over. We're going to talk some Big Ten football, possibly. We're going to talk what's going on in the world of sports. We're going to hit up uh, at least maybe, you know, figure out you know what's the latest rumor. Which ones can we hold true? Uh, So without further ado, I'm going to bring the big man in here. Hey, big man, what's going on? Reggie? Hello, we got you on. I think we just dropped him a second there. Hopefully he'll try back in just a second. Sometimes when you're traveling, going from uh, one spot to the next, uh, phones don't pick up, and uh, we have definitely uh, some issues. But um, I'm definitely going to – what we're going to do now is we're going to try to pick him back up. And uh, give me one second. We're going to try to do that. But uh, while we're waiting – gonna give a, a quick shout out to uh, oh, let's see if we got him back in.
0: Hello, who we got?
2: Reggie's here, guys. What's going on? There he is. Awesome, man. How's it going?
3: I'm doing pretty good, man. That little rain shower float through the Charlotte area, but life is good,
2: it is, it is. Uh, so you getting excited for some football to start? I know we got an NFL game this week. We got more college games. We got uh, a stack of SEC, I mean ACC games coming up this weekend. Some of the teams that are close to you will be playing. It looks like, and uh, while I know your alma mater won't be playing this weekend, I, I know you're excited to cover some of the schools there in North Carolina.
3: Absolutely. I, I, let me let me uh, let me make one quick point because I, there's something I noticed. I don't know if you guys were able to catch the BYU-Navy game on Monday night. It came out later that uh, Navy Navy didn't have a chance to – well, they didn't uh, have any contact in practice leading up to that football game. And I will say this. I I think BYU is a good football team. I don't know that they were 52 points, uh, right, uh, that they are, I should say, 52 points better than Navy. But when you don't have a chance to prepare properly – Uh, that's what can happen, and and the reason I mention that is we have seen also this week announced that the uh, uh, Tulsa-Oklahoma State game uh, has been pushed back because I believe Tulsa missed nine days of practice. I say that to say this is what we've been talking about right on this show and other places about preparation and about practice and how COVID-19 can impact the season because teams, if you If you have some issues in in Charlotte, uh, uh, the Charlotte 49ers, uh, their coach mentioned uh, the other day in talking to the media, they had a little discrepancy in terms of getting a test result back, and they were initially told one day they couldn't go to the facility. Now, that's a concern. They have a game this weekend. If you lose a day or two days of preparation in a regular game week, how can your team respond, right, due to what may or may not be happening COVID-related, I think that's something we need to keep our eyes on as we move forward with preparations for each team in the country.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And I, I did watch that game. And I, like you, there's a there's a young man that uh, Chad Greer had coached there from the Charlotte area who was the starting linebacker for the Navy squad. And uh, so I kind of got an interest in that game. I also, you know, like I said earlier, I, when I was going down some of the uh, my predictions for the weekend, I kind of have a soft spot for the service academy just because, you know, the sacrifice that's already made, you know, to go there. You, you don't go there and then you go for college and then get a job. Your job is, you know, your service to your country after that. So it's already a sacrifice. And then to be able to do all the, you know, Division one football requirements on top of that, you know, I can't imagine, you know, what that's like. Those – uh Th- those men and women at those academies, you know, definitely do give it all. So I was, I took an interest in the game after about the third quarter when it was became uh, unreal. You know, it just seemed like Navy just couldn't run with that big tight end. Seemed like every every almost every touchdown for the first three or four passing touchdowns, there was a guy standing in the end zone with no defender around him. I mean, I don't know if absolutely it was if it was what if they were gassed, if they just weren't used to you know some being hit. Like you said, if there was no contact. It just seemed odd, and I don't want to say, you know, the defense coordinator should be fired. It just seemed very – I could see you could have a breakdown in coverage once. But there was like – I think there was four that I counted that they pointed out that a receiver was standing
3: all alone in the end zone. That doesn't happen. It's just very rare, you know? It it is. And and I'll tell you a couple of things that, that really stuck out to me, not just in that game, but as a whole. Uh, remember, when the pandemic first happened, when everything got shut down in around March timeframe, remember, Navy's head football coach, Ken Niamatololo, was in Hawaii visiting family and on vacation at the time and couldn't get back to the Naval Academy for an extended period of time. So you have that to start with. And then, now this is the epitome of how different things are in different places. And And we've talked on this show about... The difference is going on just with high school football in North Carolina versus South Carolina. Well, check this out with the service academies. Maryland, which is where the Naval Academy is in Annapolis, it sits on state land, which means, per the governor, they could not have fans in the stands. On the flip side, West Point Military Academy, which is Army, sits on federal land in New York in which they can, if they choose to, have fans come to their games. So, again, we keep talking about how COVID is a, COVID-19 is a moving target. That's an example right there with Navy's preparation and then their atmosphere and then the difference of their atmosphere to another service academy in Army. Yeah, that's
2: pretty amazing, like you pointed out, which, you know, when you go from state land to the federal land issue, you know, these guys uh, who've prepared for years, you know, for, for a game and to play this sport, uh, so many things are just out of their control. You know, you got an issue like that that, that may come down to politics, you know, because, uh, you know, New York New York, and, and Maryland aren't terribly far apart. They're kind of in that same region that some people consider maryland to be the mid-atlantic i guess it depends on how you you know consider some people you know break uh the country into five instead of six regions but um it's not that terribly far apart especially when you come to you know if you look at the sociological aspect as as opposed to geographically you know and uh you know with one being if that being the decision because i can guarantee you if army land was state-owned by by you know, by the state of New York, they wouldn't have fans in those stands either. Considering they don't even have uh, the governor of New York was on the news yesterday talking about there's no eating inside. You can only eat at outside restaurants, and that restaurants need to police themselves and come up with some type of you know plan if they ever want to go inside to eat again this year. So I could definitely see that because I did watch the Army game and they had folks. It you was know, kind of staggered out. I thought that was kind of neat, uh, as well as how they did the band. But um. So so let's roll on and, and talk about a conference near and dear to your heart, at least one team in that conference. You know, I've seen so many things over the past week. We could hear something today. We could hear something this afternoon uh, about the Big Ten possibly playing in late October. Uh, we've heard there might be another vote. You know, the litigation seemed to kind of get really quiet with the Nebraska players after that um, – hearing that thursday a week a week and a half ago or almost two weeks ago and then uh the reply by the big 10 that had some information but it didn't have supporting documentation to back up what they said anyway it just seemed to kind of go real quiet and then over the past few days about every morning i keep seeing something on uh different news sources that say there there could be a vote to play in late october what are you hearing
3: Yeah, I have heard that, and and, and there's a push from that, all the way, obviously, from uh, the president of the United States having a a conversation, uh, if you will, with with the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren. And here's my thing. I I think, listen, if they want to reverse course, two problems with that. Number one, they just look bad. If they did everything the way they were supposed to do the first time, to come to the initial decision, to reverse course, to me, makes them look bad and makes them look like they're essentially saying, well, yeah, we just kind of guessed, and we're just going to give in to whatever the pressure is one way or the other. So from that standpoint, I think if they come back and play, they'd be wrong um, because you should stick to your convictions if you feel as though you made the decision based on the right things and the right information. So that's one piece of it. The second piece of it is if they're going to go before the end of October – they need to make a decision this week because those players need to be back on the field and start ramping their bodies up to take the punishment in pads by next week, which I believe the start of next week is the 13th or the 14th. Uh, I believe Monday is the 14th, to give them five to six weeks to get their bodies ready to play football games live. If they, don't, if they can't get this thing decided, essentially, in my opinion, this week, there is no way they can play one snap of a a legitimate college football game before November 1st. I just don't see it happening because it's not safe
2: either. I agree with you there. Now, uh, I, you, you talked about putting pressure on someone. Now, uh, I, can, I, I kind of wonder, and, and I'll ask on you for your opinion on this. I, I know you're a – Uh, uh, a journalist, as well as, you know, you you like to dig in. You like fact-finding as much as I do. One thing I found really interesting, and I don't know if you've heard this or looked into it, maybe something that you might want to uh, look at if you're just curious, is that Warren and his wife. uh, Warren came to the Big Ten from, uh, do you know his background or his uh, career history, his resume, so to speak? I know
3: he was in the NFL for a while, and his son plays at Mississippi State. Um, right. But yeah, his background is is very interesting, to say the least Yes, he and his wife
2: were connected to And I don't know if it was her or him uh, Were connected to some very large strategic firms Also aligned with uh, the Trial Lawyers Association Which is also one of the largest lobbying groups in the nation um, And it was made known through some digging That I was able to pull up through Real Politico Which tracks campaign donations, uh, that they had donated $100,000 to certain can, uh, certain candidates. Uh, along with the same organization, the University of Minnesota, which I found to be interesting because it's a state institution, um, also donated $100,000 um, to uh, the, the uh, Democratic senator from Minnesota who ran unsuccessfully for president. Um, and so it's kind of interesting that you see some of these guys uh, who are, who can dole out that kind of money and who are supporting political candidates. And then when you start talking about pressure to make decisions, it's kind of you know I'm kind of sitting back going you know it, it, we should probably have and I hate to use the expression separation between church and state because a lot of people misconstrue what that really means. But it just seems really interesting that you're you know ahead of this organization across all these states and you're pumping. You know, out of your own pocket, and sure, you you can spend money however you want, but you're supporting these campaign uh, super PACs with hundreds of thousands of dollars that seem to be leaning towards decisions that uh, may or may not be always in the best interest of uh, those you have a fiduciary uh, interest to represent. So, kind of found that interesting this week. I'm not sure if you've ever heard about that, but Warren and his wife definitely have some. Very uh, strong political connections in the U.S. Senate, but um, so I'm been monitoring oh, yeah, it and- as well as many other decisions with that going on because, like I said, I was saying earlier, it's almost like a COVID thing. You know, one day you hear, you know, I I, I actually equated this to your favorite NFL team on Sunday. You know, they beat the New England Patriots 42 to 10, and you're thinking you're going to win a Super Bowl Monday. You're still high, thinking you're going to win a Super Bowl. On Tuesday or Wednesday, your starting quarterback twists an ankle, you know, and everything gets derailed. It feels like you're looking at that now because every time you get your hoax up, something comes out about, you know, COVID numbers or testing or something, and you're, you feel like you're starting back over.
3: Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's the biggest issue right now for most teams is they don't know when they could or, you know, be impacted by COVID. And, and the interesting thing about it is it may not be within their own locker room. Uh, you know, I've, I've listened to coaches talk about how they're changing the travel schedule to minimize how much time they're in a hotel, uh, how they're adding buses uh, for their travel trips um, to, to mitigate um, players sitting closer to each other on the bus. Um, and, and one of the things that, that, that we all talked about, even on this show, remember earlier in the summer was, you know, when they did start laying out some of these non-conference schedules, We're going to see a lot more of those regional games so that you can keep groups of players out of airports. And we're seeing that. You look at a Charlotte, they're going to play Duke, North Carolina, and Appalachian State if the schedule holds up. You look around the country, there's a lot more regional games uh, with the exception, obviously, BYU going to Navy. That's a whole different conversation with BYU as an independent. But you look at Notre Dame, they jump in a conference to kind of regionalize themselves and align with the ACC to make their travel a little bit easier and a little bit more predictable. So I think when you watch this, as as we all watch, you know, this unpredictable, right, season play itself out, I think those are some of the things to keep an eye on. And coaches are even talking about it's different coming out of the locker room. Will they still all come out of a tunnel together and all those different things to kind of create that energy that you need to try to go win a college football game?
2: Yeah, and, and that's a good point, like you said, with the teams that align now. Uh, I wanted to actually get your opinion, so I wanted, I guess we can go ahead and, and I can hit you up for that question now. When you're looking at App State and you're looking at Charlotte, you and I have discussed these head coaches ad nauseum. You know, we both think they're uh, rising future superstars and they're stars in their own right right now. So, uh, give me your prediction on this game and why.
3: I didn't hear you clearly there. One more time.
2: I said uh, we were talking about the uh, Charlotte and App State game. You and I talked about those those two head coaches uh, a good bit because we both believe those guys are superstars, especially superstars in the making. Uh, I know that game, they're heading over to App State. Uh, what do you think uh, the outcome of the game? Who do you, uh, what are you predicting and why?
3: I, I tell you, I, I, this App State football team, they're not going to deviate much from who they were, whether it was uh, Scott Satterfield a couple of years ago, or Coach Drinkwitz last year. Uh, they have different coordinators, but Coach Clark is the head coach, uh, and he's taken over, and their mentality is going to be the same. They're going to run the football, and then they're going to rely on, on the quarterback, Zach Thomas, to throw the football and be effective. And, and let me make a point about, about Zach at the quarterback position for App State. And I said this, I've, I'll say this to anybody. If that kid was 6'4 or 6'5, he, been, he probably wouldn't still be at Appalachian State. He'd probably be in the NFL right now. That's how good he is. He can make every single throw you ask him to make. Uh, And he's athletic enough to keep himself out of trouble and make some plays at times with his feet. He's deceptively fast. They've got a really good quarterback that has command of their offense. They've got a a group of receivers without Sutton. No one stands out as this, like, just uh, 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 walking mismatch consistently. But they've got a bunch of guys at the receiver position that can consistently find a way to get open against one-on-one coverage, not every snap like Corey Sutton. Sutton was an absolute mismatch on every snap. But these, the rest of this group, they're good enough to make some plays, and they've always got running backs. I think on the flip side, when you look at Charlotte, the running game, I think this is an opportunity uh, for Aaron McAllister to really come out of his shell at the running back position. He was hurt all of last year. But let me give you a couple of names to watch in this game from Charlotte. Marquise Watts and Tyreek Harris, the two defensive linemen from Charlotte, both defensive ends. Watts last year had to step in and play on the opposite side of Alex Highsmith, who is now with the uh, Steelers in the National Football League, because Harris missed all of last year with an injury. Now all of a sudden Harris comes back, Watts has confidence, And you look at these two bookend defensive ends, if the defensive tackles can be consistent in the middle, they've got a chance to beat Appalachian State up there because they can control the running game, and those guys are good enough to get after the passer. But I tell you what, the game is going to be won between these two offensive lines. Appalachian State, we know they've got a big physical offensive line. Charlotte, they lose Cam Clark, a guy that started his entire career, uh, who's a fourth-round pick as well. They lose him. Can the offensive lines gel? Whichever offensive line gels faster in this game and dominates the point of attack in the line of scrimmage, I think those will be the stars that come out of that game. And one of those offensive linemen uh, on whoever, whichever group plays kind of better uh, will probably be a guy that folks start talking about their draft stock after this football game.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And we definitely, you know, South Carolina people in South Carolina, especially South Carolina fans, saw what that offensive line for App State can do once they start rolling. Once they kind of get that head of steam and feel like they can push you down down the field, it doesn't stop. And that's what they did they just kind of continued to chunk, chunk, chunk and kind of that three-yard, four-yard, five-yard cloud of dust and uh, just pushed South Carolina to a hole where it became a, a clock management thing, which may or may not be Coach Muschamp's uh, forte. And, uh, you know, they, they just beat South Carolina. And that was part of it, that offensive line. And, you know, South Carolina had a defensive tackle that was drafted top ten in, in the NFL. And they still, you know, that offensive line jails. And they don't have the biggest dudes on the field, but they certainly do play nasty. And um, so so what other games? Obviously, uh, I would say Wake Forest and Clemson. Uh, I have some interest in that. Uh, my girlfriend is a Clemson grad and, and a
3: huge Clemson fan. <laughs>
2: You know, but yeah, well, I'm Christie's sure uh, fired up for... about
3: that 32 point spread, but I think that 32 point spread is a little high. I, I would, I would take Wake to cover that because I think that's going to be about a 28 point game because Dabo's going to call off the dogs late.
2: But and, and I thought, you know, I made a bet with her last year, being that Sam Hartman played for us here at Oceanside. And I spoke a little bit about him before you came on and, and his leadership and how much he did for me because, you know, running operations, I needed a guy to go to to kind of make sure all the all the varsity players were in line and where they need to be, and he was always my guy for that. And, you know, he was just such a great young man with a great family. Lisa and, Doc, and uh, Dr. Hartman did a great job uh, raising him and his brothers. Um, But, you know, again, that was exactly what I said. If if they came out, I didn't know it was a 32-point spread, uh, but I definitely do not see this game going through that, you know, 42-point blowout kind of like in years past. I think the biggest thing is that Sam lost, you know, his best receiver in the game. However, uh, his former high school teammate there at um, Davidson Day, from what I hear, has been catching everything. And so uh, that's going to be fun to watch again. You know, I, I'm I'm hoping Wake can win um, just for a little bit of fun and a little r- revelry in, in in the house on Saturday when we're over there cooking out. But uh, I just I think Clemson does win the game. I'm with you. I don't think it's a 32 point spread. So, uh, you know, uh, give me give me your next one. What what next are you looking for the, uh, on Saturday?
3: And, and let me make this quick comment. If Wake wins that football game. I think there's going to be a whole lot of unrest in all of college football because I don't think that anyone, with all due respect to Wake and and what Coach Clawson is building up there, no one expects them to win that football game. Not one soul expects them to win that football game. Uh, Adding to that, I think, you know, I'm curious, and and I realize they're playing a UAB football team that I think is well coached, Uh, but I'm looking at Miami because last year, and maybe I was, just, I was just an idiot for doing it. But I had high expectations for Miami last year. And those two young tackles got absolutely exposed in that opening game, and they never recovered throughout the season. So the question is, what becomes of Manny Diaz if they struggle again? I think if Manny Diaz has another year of struggling uh, at Miami and they bring in De'Eric King, the transfer quarterback uh, from Houston who sat out last year, all those things working in their favor. If Miami doesn't look good early in the year, I think it's, the seat's going to get real warm uh, for, for Manny Diaz. And other than that, I mean, you look at some of the games on the schedule, some interesting ones out there. We talked about Charlotte and App, uh, you know, but I, obviously Clemson and Wake is out there. But listen, if you're a North Carolina fan, you better be awake at noon on Saturday because I'm going to tell you something. Every time you don't expect anything from Dino Babers, that's when Dino Babers shows up in Syracuse. They got Clemson a couple of years ago, and then they came back down here to Clemson and gave Clemson everything they wanted and more the following year. So watch out for them at North Carolina. And the reason why I say that is, and I've said this about Sam Howell, and I said this when he was back in high school, he was still committed to Florida State at the time. I said, this kid will find a way to New York before his college career is over. I don't know that he'll win the Heisman, but he'll find his way there. I tell you what, he better not do on Saturday against Syracuse. He better not try to win the Heisman in the first quarter like Trevor Lawrence did last year to start the year and start throwing the football to the other team. Because if you make mistakes against Syracuse and Dino Babers, that defense will make you pay because they, he trains them that if you get a pick, the goal is to take it to the house no matter what. So don't give away cheap points, Sam Howell, if you're North Carolina. I think that's another game for everybody to keep an eye on this weekend.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that, When I did pick uh, North Carolina to win. I really thought that number 18 ranking might be a little, uh, uh, I don't want to say high for them because, in my opinion, it's a little low. I think they should be ranked a little higher, um, which is kind of like a golf score. The lower the number, the better. Um, I really think they, you know, I I kind of had them in that 12 to 15 15 range, uh, but we'll see what they are, you know. On defense, I know they're bringing back some guys, but going back to Manny Diaz at Miami, I was with you. You know, they came in that two years ago when they just embarrassed Notre Dame on national TV. And that defense right. was, you know, flashing the their turnover chain. It was the flash. It was the glory. It was everybody was like, oh, the U is back. And then one injury in the secondary, and then last year they had, you know, it just kind of fell apart. Uh, they have one of the best defenders in the nation, top draft pick. He's now opted out to play this year, so it feels like they already have, you know, uh, they're already behind the eight ball, and I'm with you, you know, it's it's Manny Diaz in over his head as a head coach, and on the flip side of that, you know, I don't know the man. He's probably a great guy. He's got to have a heck of an agent, because every time I turn around, Manny Diaz has a pretty high-profile job, so he must be very good at the interview process or something, but I just, you know, I haven't seen as a head coach. It seems like they're they were kind of building up to that point, and now they seem to be going the opposite direction. In my opinion,
3: yeah, I think I think he's a good football mind. But here's what I think the University of Miami has to understand, uh, because I think it, when I look at that program, I see numerous flaws in the program. Uh, I think number one, and most people are going to look at me like I'm crazy when I say this, but I think number one, the worst thing they did was go play. Where the Dolphins play way up in Davie that far away from campus and get away from the Orange Bowl. I think they lost the atmosphere. They lost the intimidate. They lost all that. Because I think, I'll say this I don't know if you've ever been to Coral Gables, but in some of the areas immediately around that university and where the old Orange Bowl was, if you're a player from another team and you're riding a bus into that stadium, you're not comfortable. You're not comfortable. (laughs) <laughs> some of those neighborhoods around the old orange bowl do not make you very comfortable. So you're on your way into the stadium. You already know Miami's good. You're on your way into the stadium and you got to drive through these neighborhoods and you're realizing these are some of the neighborhoods, these guys you're getting ready to play against grew up in. So the toughness of those Miami players raises in your brain. Okay. So that's the beginning. Now, You look forward to now. Remember, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, Howard Schnellenberger hadn't resurfaced to restart, I believe it was FAU football. IU football wasn't what they are. Uh, South Florida didn't exist. Central Florida wasn't what they are. All of a sudden, you add that to the fact that Virginia Tech and Rutgers right, the Beamer era and, and, and Greg Schiano and everybody else, Florida, Florida State, everybody was recruiting Miami. But now you add four or five more schools to the mix. Those guys that were historically going to Miami and waiting three years to get on the field, they're starting at FIU now. They're starting at FAU now. They're starting at UCF now, who's lost, what, three games in like seven years? That's where those kids are now, having success. We saw a South Florida program with Jim Leavitt a few years ago in the top five. Years before that, those would have been the players that would have been backups at Miami waiting for an opportunity. So I think the university has to accept who they are and what they are. They no longer have the atmosphere. They no longer have the intimidation and they no longer have the depth and dirt of players from their own area to draw from because they're all somewhere else.
2: Yeah, fun fact. Uh, When you asked me if I'd ever been there, I actually interviewed at uh, both University of Miami Law School and St. Thomas Law School. Uh, I'm quite familiar. Uh, When I was looking around and I looked at how much uh, University of Miami Law School was going to cost, um, I, I knew then that the only way I would ever be able to afford it was I was going to have to take out enough student loans and probably sell off uh, a kidney uh, just to be able to <laughs> afford to live in Hialeah, which is uh, one of those areas you were talking about. So when you leave South Beach area and you're heading down towards Coral Gables, now if you look to your left, there's a big, beautiful area called Coconut Grove, and that's where all the millionaires and superstars that don't live on – Turtle uh, Island and, and those areas, the two little islands in between downtown Miami and South Beach, where Shaq lived and all that.
0: Oh. This is a uh,
2: south. You got to pass Co- Ocho Calle, which everybody knows and now is familiar. That's Eighth Street, and that's a uh, part of the uh, little uh, Havana town. You got to keep going. Now, now where we're going is if it, I'm 43 in December.
3: Uh, I'm not sure how old you are. I'm not even gonna guess.
2: But if you keep going, I'm, 30, a buddy I'm 39 of mine.
3: in December. So you do the math. We've seen the same things. Okay. Well, there's a
2: buddy of mine I've, I've met through the legal field, and I won't say how. Uh, that that was a uh, he's officially known as Uncle Luke. Now he still lives mm-hmm. down there. He still runs the youth football team. He and I talked uh, on Twitter on DMs not too so long ago over an athlete, and uh, Uncle Luke has always talked about Hailea. And, so, and, and once you get past, as he calls it, Havana Town. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a very different culture. It's not the South Beach where everybody's beautiful beautiful rolling in a, a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. And, and you're right because you would fly into the Miami Airport, which is over by uh, the American Airlines, not too far from American Airlines Arena, but it's still close enough to that I-95 corridor that touches uh, North Miami. North Miami is a different world. So you get on the interstate, and you you head on down, and you can see the big buildings off to your left, and then the interstate ends into Highway 1. Well, that's about it, Little Havana. <laughs> and you look left, you mm-hmm. look right, and the interstate is now blocked on the side, and instead of pretty little scenic walls or big skyscrapers, it's now a rusted chain-link fence. <laughs> so that's right with cars with cars that have banana trees growing in the middle of them because they've been sitting there for 20 years and uh, you know mm-hmm. so it, it, it's a beautiful area i love the people i love the culture uh i definitely it's one of my top areas that i'd love to live when i'm done with what i'm doing um, but you're right but then you got on campus now and i'll tell you when i interviewed there that was when butch jones was running things they had, the, they had just opened a new aquatic center, and they the practice field where the University of Miami practiced had no fences, had no bushes, had no walls. They were not inside the stadium. It was on campus, in the middle of campus, with no fence. They were that right. confident. They didn't care who came to see. I watched Edgar and James take handoffs you know, as a running back there, and they didn't That's care right. because they were just that bold. They knew – in two thousand nineteen ninety nine, when they beat Florida in that Sugar Bowl, they knew that was they had only lost one game that year, and they knew that cost them the national championship. The next year they went undefeated, won the national championship. Next year went undefeated. We all know what happened uh, with Ohio State. You know they just did not care. They were that confident. But if you look at that roster, uh, at one time there was I heard of the twenty two starting guys, something like uh, eighteen nineteen went to the NFL. I mean it was just ridiculous. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it, it's a great, it's a great university. Um, I love the university. It's very special. It's the first law school that accepted me um, and I got to see it. And it was a whole different from where I grew up from. It was a neat experience, but uh, I'm with you, you know, until they get the, the only way to get that swag back was kind of like the old wrestling guys. You've got to be tough. And you kind of kind of be almost, you know, the junkyard dogs, if, if they, you know, showed up in downtown Manhattan wearing skinny jeans. They didn't look as tough. If they looked like they came out of the junkyard with ripped-up pants and chains around their neck, look like guys you wouldn't want to fight. So I totally get where you're coming from with that. But um, absolutely. Well, but it is uh, a little past eight. I got uh, some guys on the line. I gotta let you roll for a week, but we'll definitely stay in touch. Uh, hopefully uh, Rich will be jumping in. He's been over at practice at Fort Dorchester High School, uh, checking on some things and looking at some players for the upcoming scrimmage. They're scrimmaging a big high school in state uh, that's coming up this coming weekend. So, but I'll let you go, brother. I appreciate your time and all you do. We'll definitely stay in touch.
3: Absolutely. You guys take care and we'll talk to you next week. We are.
2: That's the big man. Major Walker Jr. is heading out it's always a pleasure to have him on. Uh, We're going to take a 19-second break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to uh, head over to North Augusta High School. Uh Stay tuned. Uh-huh. 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 All right. All right.
0: Uh-huh. I've been grinding so long, been trying this shit for years, uh-huh. and I got nothing to show you.
2: All right, we're back. We had to take a quick break. Uh,
4: let's go. We got uh, our guys on the line.
2: Uh, where are we at? And uh, where are you headed, Drew? Uh,
4: I'm in the car currently. I am. <laughs> so you finished with player. football practice, right?
2: you finished with football practice over yeah. at North Augusta. So where are you headed now? Uh,
4: I'm headed to a soccer scrimmage after just finishing football practice.
2: So you just finished one practice and you headed to a scrimmage. All right, buddy. Well, uh, introduce yourself. I, I, I know you and I talked a little bit, um, or, or, or uh, Big Tim via text message. So uh, introduce our listeners to uh, who Drew is. Uh, give us some background and uh, let them know who you are and where you're going.
4: Uh, my name is Drew Stevens. I go to North Augusta High School in South Carolina. I'm a 2022. I'm a kicker and I'm six foot one seventy. 170
2: pounds now drew i've seen you at a lot of competitions and uh some training things throughout uh, really going back into the spring and, and throughout the summer now uh I, we were just in uh, charlotte a couple of weeks ago now uh, talk to us a little bit about the training for people who don't know you know kind of what a kicker does uh, i know i've discussed a little bit but you know kind of give us uh you know your perspective and, and your side of it with uh what all you've been able to do, and, and what you're doing to try to reach your goals.
4: Uh, well, I started kicking freshman year,
0: and early
4: on I was really big into soccer, so I was going to go there. And I started kicking early on, and I, was, I thought, hey, I really like doing this. And so I started actually really getting into kicking, researching it, going to camps. And uh, that's when I really started taking it seriously. And most of the time it practices, Do about like twenty minutes of just field goal with the team and stuff, and other than that, I just do kicks or one steps, no steps off to the side with with, like a kicking net or another player. So uh, we've got your height, your weight, your high
2: school. Uh, What's your? uh, Give us some PRs on on your kickoff, your field goal, your punt. Uh, Where you at with like you know so your PR, your personal record for those.
4: Uh, personal record for kickoff, I'm pretty sure the farthest one I've ever had is 71 yards. And field goal, my personal record is 60.
2: And I saw
0: that
2: Not 60, yet. uh, yeah. I saw the video, of the 60, so have you been able to uh, do that trick? I think Parker White was one of the guys that kind of put it out there on social media. He's the kicker for South Carolina. And the guy you worked with at the Coles thing, where he puts it on the 50-yard line, Boots it through one one upright, spins the ball a, a second ball there, and boosts it through the uh, another. We're gonna see one of those videos from you soon.
4: Uh, you yeah yes you will, at least you will see an attempt. <laughs> at least you attempt, man. I like the uh, you
2: know the humbleness of it. So um, you know, September one came and, and you're a rising junior. My understanding is you got some love from some of the schools. Uh, If you feel comfortable, um, talk to us about some of the schools you heard some of the love from and and what you got.
4: Um, I heard some from Coastal Carolina. They got in touch with me on uh, like first day of September, and really they were the first one. And then another school was Ohio University and Temple. And UCF.
2: So that's a variety they of are, things like up and down the uh, east coast here, so to speak, except for Ohio being in the Midwest.
0: Now, if you could uh, map out your future, you
2: know, I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite college, um, but what, what are you looking for in a university or college at the next level?
4: Uh, really, I'm just looking to find a place where I can help the team win at any cost. And a place that offers, like, the degrees I would like to be in, like, or things I would like to major in, like business or engineering is really the two things I've been looking at. Well, that's what I was about to ask you.
2: Um, so, I'll go a step further since you said business or engineering. Uh, is there a certain type of or field of engineering, a certain type of uh, business or, or field of business you're interested
0: in? Um,
4: Business... Is finance because that's something that my dad would do, and he could really help me out with it. And getting into a job with business and civil engineering because that's just what I love the most. I've always loved to build things and like
5: building with Legos,
4: and it really just carries on into like yeah. Yeah, and get that I change. love that. That's my favorite subject. <laughs>
2: Civil civil engineering so is kind of one of those things that they always uh, equate that to roads and bridges and and city planning. But uh, so so um, there are a lot of schools that offer that, and uh, you know, especially with the business side and finance. You know, I know your dad's in finance. Uh, you know, when uh, w- when he's uh, done driving you there, just you know, tell him uh, we understand finance and ask him uh, to let us uh hold a couple thousand since he's uh into loan and can help you, maybe he can help us with that too. So little big Tim over there just kinda of nudging us on we we want to hold a thousand uh for some radio equipment. But um seriously so uh you guys didn't get I, I know you travel and compete uh, alongside you know, some of the guys that I work with and know very well with Spencer and you know thankfully I've gotten to know you and your family a little bit. Um You know, when you're going into a competition like some of the competitions over the summer, uh, mountain climbing aside, you know, what are some things you do to prepare for that?
4: Um, really, I just like prepare for like a normal game. I rest properly, I eat properly, and I hydrate properly. Pretty much all the things that you would do regularly before a game. So I will be prepared and at my best when I'm called on.
2: Now, I see that uh, looking at your Twitter page, you're a pretty good student. Give us an idea of that GPA. And um, are are you looking to graduate early, or is it something that you haven't decided yet?
4: If I get a scholarship, I have considered graduating early. And my GPA currently on unweighted is 3.6, and on weighted, is a 4.3.
2: I got you. So, you're heading into your junior year. Uh, you know, you got the big football season coming up. You guys have a pretty good uh, region. You know, I think a lot of people looking at your schedule think you guys have the talent, the horses, and uh, uh, should be able to at least take the region. Now, uh, looking forward uh, to certain teams, is there a certain team or a certain place you're looking forward to playing this
4: fall? Um all home games, our home games are crazy. The atmosphere is like no other you've seen in our state. And just even half the fans being there, which we are allowed, would still be great in our game. So all our home games really is what I look forward to, just running out of our well, I'm, tunnel.
2: I'm going to throw you a curveball, and we won't put it on Twitter. Uh, what's the away team, What's the away game? Is there some away team that maybe uh, – now, this is going into your third year playing football, so maybe two years ago you got that loss. And uh, what, what's an away team that you want to step on, as they call it, uh, step on their yard and come out with a W?
4: Um, a team that we would really, really, really love to beat, uh, Strom Thurman, because they, for some reason, think they're better than us. I'm trying to be humble here, but uh, we would like to put them back in their place. <laughs>
2: One of their coaches is a longtime listener. He's a defensive back coach, uh, and he's been on the show before as well. So yeah, I totally get that. Those guys are a little bit north of you, I believe, uh, on the other side of Aiken County. So um, now, now I know you guys like like every other team, man. You you think you guys have that team, and it looks like on paper, you certainly have that team to make that four A run, if not to come home with the state title. Um, I know you're a team first guy. I know that's how you're raised. I know you're a family guy. Uh, but, but all that aside, and, and we're not saying that it's a side to, you know, to downplay anything. Uh, what are some of your personal goals for the season?
4: Um, I would like to go perfect. That is my goal for a goals and extra points and kickoffs. I would like every single kickoff to be a touchback, if not five yards in the end zone.
2: So not only just crossing that line, you want to make sure that rep doesn't have a,
4: a choice. You want to make it, uh,
2: a definite forum. Um, so, uh, so we talked about your goals. If you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you if you say no. I totally get that. Uh, if there are some schools out there, or, or a couple schools out there that you know you're loving, you're dying to hear from. Uh, do you want to uh, go on the air and say, hey, you know, hey, coach, or, or at this school, I'd love to hear from you.
4: Um, UCF, really.
2: Okay, so you want to Hi. head down to uh, Orlando? That's a that's a great school. Um, you know, I, I was down there with the guys uh, that did the show Cole Showcase this past summer, this past June, down in uh, Orlando. It's a pretty fun city, big school, man. I think it's uh, one of the one, two, or three largest uh, universities in the country. But should be fun, especially uh, you know that that stadium gets pretty loud. But um, hey, man, I'm a, it's about seven sixteen, so I gotta let you go. I know your dad said you were headed over into the awesome. state of Georgia. To, to do some soccer, it's been great having you on, we're definitely going to be following North Augusta and I know your uh, dad's going to keep us up to date on Friday nights so with how you do, but uh, don't be shy man, when, when you do something great, holler at us on Twitter You know, send those stats in buddy so we can um, help promote you and get that message out and uh, you know, help promote your brand
4: Alright, thank you coach
2: Alright bud, talk to you soon, take care Bye All right, folks, well, we don't really have time for a break because we're going to pull in the next one here and we're going to head from North Augusta High School. Uh, the fine all man Drew is now headed back over to head across state lines into Georgia for a soccer scrimmage that starts in about 14 minutes. So we're now we're going to head over to Oceanside and we're going to bring in Spencer McKinley, uh, someone near dear to my heart, someone I've trained for the past couple of years, and uh, really uh, excited to have him on, have, excited to see what's in his future been doing a lot of stuff uh behind the scenes uh, with some recruiting things for him and um welcome Spencer you're on buddy Hey how you doing? Hey man I'm doing great buddy uh I know it's been a interesting week with uh, some practice stuff being moved around and things like that. I know you're looking forward to Friday for that first interest squad scrimmage. Um I just got off the uh phone with uh, someone you know really well, a guy you've been competing with and uh, I, I would say against, but you guys kind of, you know, started out kicking and didn't really know each other. Now you guys are kind of pushing each other, as well as uh, some of the other kickers around the state, and that's uh, Drew Stevens. But um, you know, so now that we got you on I, without me uh, kind of spilling the beans and spoiling too much. I'll let you uh, introduce yourself for the listeners.
6: Well, my name is Spencer McKinley. I go to Oceanside Collegiate Academy. I'm five ten, 185 pounds and I'm a kicker and graduate in the class of 2022.
2: All right, so we know we know you're graduating in 2022. We know you're a kicker. I know some people may have seen your Twitter and seen some of the, uh, the, the news interview with the uh, young man that, that came out, and he was a former kicker in the collegiate level as well as the Canadian League. Um, but for those who didn't catch that, and hopefully we can direct some traffic over to your Twitter now, uh, when did you start uh, your kicking game and honing that uh, – kicking game in a serious manner
6: yes yeah, sir so i started my freshman year at wando and i got i got some pretty good coaching experience over there but um yeah that's when i started when i was at wando at the freshman
2: all right now um everybody knows that you've trained with me uh so but we'll talk about some of your other training and uh you know kind of going back to some of those you know the national competitions, some of the things that you've learned, some of the things you've seen, kind of experience, and and some of the people you're working with, uh, you know, to kind of hone your your skills and get you to that next level.
6: Yeah, I really started with my my first Coles event last winter when I went to my first showcase, and um, I found out there was some really a lot of talent in my class, people competing, and. That you would have to work hard to be in that top percentile, and um, I learned a lot from that showcase, and it brought more to come, and I've just been enjoying all of them ever since, and I love going to them, and I've been training a now lot it's... with Dan Orner now, <laughs> right? I've been training with Dan Orner out of Charlotte, and he played at the professional le- he played at the professional level, and also played at UNC Chapel Hill at the collegiate level also, and um, yeah, it's been a good. Ex- yeah, it's been a good run so far. Well, I know
2: the 2022s hit that magic date on September 1, and uh, that was kind of the opening, the, the floodgates for, for calls and texts and some of those graphics on Twitter. Um, now, now looking around, I noticed that the position you play is kind of one of those kind of slower recruited positions. It doesn't seem to pick up until after your junior year. Um, have you heard from any schools uh, in, in your DMs or, 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 or uh, phone calls or messages, things like that?
6: Yeah, I've heard from a few. Um, not really talking to any of the coaches yet, but I've a few schools have reached out and check how it's going and see. Wish me luck in my season, and I'll be glad to reach, reach out back to them after my junior season.
2: Yeah, I you know a lot of guys, uh,
6: and I know from experience last year, you're a kickoff specialist
2: coming in as a sophomore uh, and, and playing on the varsity level for the first time. You sat behind a guy. Uh, who, you know, broke every record uh, known to your school and, and had a great season in his own right, you know, but now, now the reins are handed to you. You know, you're the kickoff and field goal guy, uh, you know, a job that you and, uh, and Haynes split last year. Uh, so, so looking at that where you have both jobs, and I know you've told me that you're trying to push for that third kicking job, uh, you know, so, so what are you looking for? Give me your expectations for this season handling both of those jobs.
6: I mean, I'm ready, man. I've been I've been ready for this position. Um, I love Chris, and I'm glad I can take over the spot this year because, I mean, I'm ready to just break all those records. I mean, I, as much I love Chris as much as I do, but I'm ready to just I'm ready to go out there and prove myself to everybody and show that I can really compete at that level. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, man.
2: We're going back to uh, some of those colleges. So if you had, uh, you you know, if you want to, it's fine. Uh, to share some of your dream schools, you know, so what are some of the schools if if you had it and you said, Hey coach, you know, at this school or that school, you know, here I am. I'm Spencer McKinley. Just give me an opportunity. Uh, who, what are some of the schools that you'd send that message
7: to? I'm going to
6: say my top school is going to be Ohio state. My dad went there and I've been there a lot of times and I, I yeah, I really want to go there.
2: Well, that's awesome, man, to have those big dreams. I know that's a school that you've been a fan of and actually went up there and visited with you guys, uh, you know, while we took my son while you were up there competing in the kicking competition. Now, um, it, it, this year, you know, academically, I, I know you got you're, you're pretty set academically. I know you have some academic goals. Uh, t- talk to us a little bit about that. Where is the GPA and where are you trying to get it after this year?
6: I'm just trying to work it up as much as I can. I mean, I'm pretty solid right now, sitting at, like, about a 3.5, but always going to push for better and more. Try to get my grades all up to trying to get it to a 4.0. Yeah, because, you know,
2: the, the the higher you can get, just like I told you, that test score, you know, the more money. If it's not Division one, if it's a Division I level A, if it's a Division one that you also get a preferred walk on, sometimes they can give you a ton of money based on your grades and uh, and test scores. But uh, so so let's talk about that at the next level. Uh, what do you do? You have a specific major you're interested in, or is it something kind of like you know? Hey, I'm really interested in studying this. You know, if it's a major, you know, tell us uh, what that major is that you're interested in pursuing. Yes,
6: yeah, sir. So I'm really interested in pursuing either business or business administration for my major. I always wanted. To, my dad was really in. He was an entrepreneur, and I've been really into business, and I think it's something I would want to study in college. Well, that's good. And, uh, you know, pretty much every school,
2: uh, has, has a business program and certainly some of the schools that you're interested in have some of the top business programs. Uh, I will tell you this and, uh, I'll go ahead and put it out there cause I just kind of messaged back from a buddy of mine. Uh, we're hoping to hear from, um, University of Tennessee tomorrow and, uh, maybe they'll have something for you or at least, you know, we'll be in touch. So I just want you to know that, uh, working for you, working on your behalf buddy and, uh, Coach uh, Jared is going to try to do his thing tomorrow. Um, you know, it, it, it's a great school too. Again, they have a great business program. I visited it myself my junior in high school. I know that's an area that might be close to some of your family and, and people. You know, where where your your dad has worked and, and grandparents have had a place up there. But uh, you know, so we'll keep working on that, man. You keep working on your uh, on your end. I know you're trying to do as best you can in the class. I know you started out pretty hot this semester. I want you to keep it up, um, but. You know, going forward to this season, you know, I asked Drew, I said, man, what's your, what's your biggest goal? I know your goal is you're a team-first guy. I know you're a team-first guy. You know, you want to see your team win every game just like last year. You won every game but the last one, and that was the Lower State Championship. Um, you know, uh, give, me, give me some of your goals. I know you talked about breaking Chris's records, uh with field with goal and kick scoring uh but give me some of those uh records you're looking forward to this year. You know, kind of a personal, hey man, this is my PR for the season. This is what I want to do.
6: Yes sir, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get all my kickoffs 75% or more touchback. That's a big goal for me because last year I, I I had a good season of kicking touchbacks, but kind of slacked off cuz I did it so much and this year I just want to make sure I get them all out there. And also I don't want to miss any PATs or even field goals for that matter, and I mean that's a goal for every kicker. But I really just want to do anything I can for my team so that we can win games. And for
2: those who hadn't uh, seen your your videos, uh, give me some PRs. What's your longest kick? Talk. What's your longest field goal? Uh, my longest
6: field goal right now is sitting about sixty yards, and then um, for kickoff. In competition, my long was 69 yards with about a 3-6 hang time. Yes, sir. No doubt. Now, and I, and I, I was going to ask Drew about
2: this and kind of got the, the, the side I I know you're kind of feeling the same way a little bit. Uh, some of those kickers, place kickers, and kickoff guys don't like to talk about it. But there's that other side on punting. Now, my understanding is you may or may not hit a 50-yarder the other day uh, a punt with about a four-something, or something, close to a five-second hang time.
6: Is that true? Yes, sir. I did that in practice the other day, actually. And it doesn't happen a lot for me since I'm not a pure punter. I don't punt a lot. But I'm trying to really get that in there because it's important to have as a backup weapon to for the collegiate level. You never know what they're going to need, whatever the team needs.
2: Right. So you just want to have that in your back pocket to say, hey, coach, You know, I can kick off for you and kick field goals, but I'm pretty serviceable as a punter, too. And, you know, that that serviceable word I don't think a lot of people like, except for head coaches that kind of look at it as, you know what, man, that's an insurance policy. So maybe that's something you can brand yourself as, you know, I'll kick off and kick field goals and I'll be your insurance policy on punting because I can at least get the ball off. And, you know what, every once in a while I hit a big bomb for you. So um, so, so now uh, to finish up here, uh, let's talk about the season ahead. I know you're moving to a different region, so it's not really the teams. There's only one team that you – well, actually two teams on your schedule that you played last year. One is Great Collegiate, and the other one is North Charleston High School. Um, you know, we're not looking for bulletin board uh, material, so to – you know, nothing like that. Uh, but give me some ideas or, or talk about a team on the schedule that you're really looking forward to playing the most.
6: I think our game opener is going to be a really important game to open our season because – we're just going to be right out the gate. We're going to be all ready. We're pumped, man. We're like, we're ready to go from from day one in the summer to now. We were all the all the time working out. I hope it's going to pay off. We're going to, we're really ready for that game. Yeah, and who's
2: that opponent, man? You got to talk to talk to the listeners, man. They they don't know you. They don't they don't know Oceanside too well. Some of them follow, them, but uh, talk to us about that opponent and what that opponent means and where they're located.
6: We're playing Bishop England. They're out of Daniel Island. And um, we've been waiting to play them for a little bit. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be our senior night at home. We're going to be pumped and ready to go.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so that game will be kind of a home game, so to speak. It will be down the street from your high school there at Park West. Uh, because of the sort little thing didn't quite work out because of the schedule change for them. Um, you know, you're one of the guys that's kind of blessed in, in that your, your team gets to play in a collegiate stadium. I know you played there last year uh, for the first time, and this year it's going to be a little bit different. There won't be grass anymore. It's going to be the astroturf. and I've known you for a long time. I know that's that carpet stuff you like, as long as it's not melting your cleats. They also, oh, by the way, have uh, installed electronic goal posts that move out to the high school level. Um, you know, so so talk to us a little bit about that. We're going to give you a chance to kind of sign off with, uh, you know, looking forward to playing at the Citadel and, and you know, being, um, I guess, blessed to say that, you know, you get to play in a collegiate stadium as opposed to a high school stadium.
6: Yes, sir. We're going to – the posts are a really big deal because I know Chris struggled a little bit with having the, the college posts up there, but really blessed and thankful to have a stadium – like the Citadels with the turf and having the field goal ready. Um, it's going to be a big deal for the first game, and, or not the first game, but all the other games, and we're ready to go. And, um, yeah, truly blessed to have that field to play on. And all my teammates are, too. We're all ready to go and can't wait for it. Well, no doubt,
2: brother. I know it's uh, about 730, so i got to jump on. Uh, over to Myrtle Beach and bring in uh, Sully here, but uh, I just want you to know that, uh, man, real proud of you. We've been following you here on the station as well. Um, just you know, wish you the best of luck on the season, good health. Uh, I know you got lifting tomorrow and back at the schedule. It's been Friday's practice, Saturday's practice. So uh, don't forget to take those Epsom salt and those ice baths. Yes, sir. Thank you for having All me, brother. Right, Yeah, all right, buddy. We'll holler at you soon. Take care, buddy. All right, thank you. All right, so we started out at North Augusta High School with Drew. Uh, We just went over to uh, Oceanside High School with Spencer McKinley. Now we're going to be taking the bus all the way up to Myrtle Beach, and we're going to bring in Mr. Sully here in just a second. Uh, We'll be back in two seconds with Sully. All right, man. How you doing, bud? Hey, man. I'm good. Sorry about that. I had to grab a swallow of Gatorade. Throat runs a little dry after going for about an hour and a half straight. So, uh, you know, talk to us. Uh, introduce yourself to all the listeners. Uh, your name, where you go to school,
8: your height, your weight. You want to talk about your PRs and stuff like that? Let's hear them, buddy. So, my name's is Harden. I go to Myrtle Beach High School. Um, I'm 6'1", 185 pounds. I actually got height and weight today. And basically right now I'm just looking forward to the rest of the season, seeing how it's going to play out and looking forward to seeing where the next level, hopefully if I make it there, is where it's going to take me. Now I've seen some some of your stuff on social media and actually hit you up right
2: after the uh, Coles competition up in Tennessee because, you know, we pulled up in parts, and all of a sudden there's this SUV in front of us with the Myrtle Beach Pirate stick on the back. And I said, this can only <laughs> be one guy. So I hit you up on actually, Twitter right after that. Do you remember that?
8: Yeah, I remember that, but that wasn't me, though. That's funny. I was, that wasn't Okay. So, um, no, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was the kicker behind me.
2: Oh, it's the guy behind you. Okay. All right, well, yeah. which one of you is it that they're hitting these uh, long ball and ball corkscrew punts? Is that you or him?
8: Oh, uh, that's me, sir.
2: I thought so because there, there's some nice line drives that, you know, most of the kicking instructors say if you can hit yeah. those screwballs those perfect spiral screws that look like they're going left, they kind of take that little hook. It's almost impossible for the returner to get a good feel on it. So they kind of get a little nervous, and a lot of times they let it go. It's a very unique skill, and it has to do with a perfect drop and strike. And so my next question is, how have you been able to master that?
8: Uh, all it is is repetition. Just like you said, that perfect drop is everyone would say is the most important part of kicking. So really I've never had a legitimate coach throughout it. So it's always just been me through the side. But recently I've been kicking a lot with a guy named Dan Orner, great coach. He's really kind of got me informed for where I need to be throughout this next season. But yeah, just like I said before, I'd say repetition and just really getting out in the field and working as much as possible without overworking yourself. Oh yeah. I hear you. And, and, and I like Dan a lot. I was just texting with him earlier. Um,
2: yeah, but actually in Charleston a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of thinking some of you guys might have made it down to see him, but it was kind of that weekend where it was stormy mm-hmm. every day, and then yes, uh, a couple of guys I trained, we drive We're going to drive up every Monday. They're getting an excuse from varsity practice because they're going to do that live whole snap kick with Dan uh, on Monday afternoon, and um, you know he's he's a great guy. He's got a heck of a resume, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. So and now. Uh, also, too, so I know you have a teammate there at Myrtle Beach that's headed to the University of North Carolina.
8: Is that one of the schools no, that you were looking at? Uh, absolutely. First, he actually introduced me to some of the coaches at North Carolina. And right now it's definitely one of the top schools I'm looking at. But just like I said, I'm really keeping my options open, seeing what program is going to fit best for me and see which program I'm going to be able to get in there quickly and hopefully get some playing time and shows them that I'm the guy for the job. Well, I've seen some of your practice kicks. I, I, I You do
2: some of the things that I warm up guys with where we're, you know, kind of lined up on the side, either at the corner of the goal line uh, and kicking it through or either kicking it, you know, down the line at the upright. Uh, Just so. hey, give me some of your PRs. I've seen the punch. Give me some of your PRs on the kickoff
8: and field goal. Uh, kickoff? I feel like I've hit a few through the uprights, but basically this year I'm really focusing on more hang time other than putting them through the uprights. Of course, I want the back of the end zone, but right now I'd say probably about a a clean four-second hang time. It's about 70 yards, I'd say. That's what I'm really focusing on because at the next level it's all not just a line drive ball. It's more of a let your guys get down there because at the next level they can run it out. So I'd say about a 70-yard kickoff with a four-hang field goal. I hit a 58 yesterday live in practice with the snap hold and blockers and everything, so that's looking pretty good. And punt, I hit a 65-yard ball in a game for a punt against North Myrtle last year,
4: and it's only <laughs> looking probably, better uh,
7: in my hand.
2: That was probably a little more gaming for you because I know the punter for North uh, Myrtle Beach, and that's Zane. You know, and he's a yeah, he's yeah. a great kicker in his own right. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure that made you feel really good hitting that type of because that's kind of his his claim to fame. I know he's a kicker, but you know the punting is kind of what's giving him the opportunity at the next level. But um, you know, it, so that's probably an awesome feeling getting that in that game. But um, you know, so I know you guys have your own uh, routine. I, I work with kickers, uh, as you know. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about
8: you know your your routine, your planning. You
2: know, what's your week like there at practice?
8: Uh, basically, I'll just walk you through today. So, go to school, fourth block, we have weightlifting. So, we all go down to the field, I change out, get out there, work out, get everything done we need to, whether it's stretching, athletic, tape, all that, get out there to the field. I get out there. I'm not even just saying this to be funny, but, like, literally me and my quarterback are the first ones out there because the quarterback now, or the second quarterback bro actually the long snapper for me. So we get out there, snap some balls. I get loose before practice. And then we just throw around a little bit. Uh, then after the whole team stretches together, I get out there, do uh, probably about two or three one-steps, or I meant no-steps. And then uh, same thing for one-steps. And then uh, three, like, full-steps, basically. Probably about three or four. And then we're getting into team extra-point field goal. And Coach Wilson does a great job. Like, I really enjoy him moving me back Cause like, yeah, it's fun to hit the same extra point, but when you get back in the 40s and the 50s and, like, I'm trying to tip 60 now, it, it's really fun to be able to see what I can do and all my hard work pay off in front of everyone like that.
2: Yeah, I know from experience. So you guys have that wonderful AstroTurf and that big, beautiful stadium there. Uh, you know, when you on Friday afternoon now, I I don't know Mickey obviously like you do, uh does he ever come up to you before a game after you do your, your one steps and your warm up uh and just say, Hey, what do I need? Meaning the line of scrimmage. Is that is that something you guys discuss on Friday afternoon after you take your warm up and you just kinda mm-hmm. give him a number and say, You know, coach, give me the thirty yard line. That's a forty seven yard field goal. Is that do you guys ever have that type of conversation?
8: Not really, because last year like it wasn't really like that because I'm pretty sure you've heard of our quarterback Luke Doty, number one dual oh, threat yeah. in the country sure. last year. So we really didn't. My kicking stats weren't really as high as they could have been. Not complaining. Super blessed to have the athletes we did last year. But uh, I'm hoping this year is really going to be where I'm going to be like Coach, put me in the 50 because we did about three or four today and I sunk them all like nothing. You know, one of the balls I hit wasn't the best today, and but it still flew in by about six or seven yards, and he's really happy about that. And the hang on the ball is what he's really looking for. So hopefully in the game this year I'll get to be like, coach, like let me let me get one. And I'll be like, absolutely, man, have no doubt in his mind that I'll sink it in.
2: Well, I'll tell you that's the best advice I can give you is uh, you got to project that confidence to your coach. I've seen coaches before say, you know, look at a kicker at a certain yard line and say – you got this, and all they got to do is that little flinch of hesitation, and the coach will say no. I mean, if a kicker doesn't yeah. just – I mean, I, my best advice would be don't even answer him, just start running out on the field. Would, you know, do you kick off the ground, or do you still have your half inch?
8: They make us – in South Carolina, like every ref I've talked to, like before we kick, they make us use a tee. Personally, me, I hate the tee because I feel like it takes <clears> distance away from me and it gives me hang time, which I can get naturally off the ground. All summer I train on the ground, but yes, I have to use a half inch, and I'm pretty sure going oh. Carolina. Well, I'll tell you, um, I don't know that all the
2: rest enforce that because they're uh, you're expected when you're going into your senior year, especially for the collegiate schools. A lot of them want to see you kicking off the ground. They want to see that you yeah. can master that plant foot just pass the ball. And also, like you mm-hmm. said, get that ball up because, you know, like I'm sure you probably practice with a net in front of you. I push a net about five yards in front of a guy. I know the line of scrimmage is seven, but in case there's any push, and plus you got guys up. So when you're kicking it off the ground, you've got to get that ball up. And I think that's what they're looking for. But honestly, brother, I mean, that might be something we have to look at because I've had guys who use um, the half-inch, uh chris haynes actually used a one inch last year he just felt more comfortable with it and scored almost 100 points but you know it's a personal thing but you know spencer this year i know is going for his half inch on long field goals extra points in the shorts he's planning to go off the ground so you know we'll, we'll definitely see that i need to look into that because i didn't know there was a certain rule that you had to use a block but um You know, if you feel more comfortable without it, I'll definitely look into
8: it, and uh, I'll get back to you about that. Yeah, honestly, Um, I prefer off the ground. All summer, I grind off the ground, whether it's with Dan, whether it's my father, like just going out there and just grinding off the ground. I prefer that. I feel like I can get way more control on the ball, hit a cleaner ball, and get more air under it. But I guess every time I run up the kick, all you hear is tee down, tee down. And I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm going to assume that that means I got to, toss one down you know <laughs>
2: yeah you know and,
8: and the t is actually what you kick off with that's actually a block that you kick the field goal so
2: i always joke when laugh when they say that but um you know and, and the other thing is i'll tell you and, and you can ask dan because dan and i talked about this when we in charleston a couple of weeks ago is a lot of the kickoff block whether it's a half inch or whatever a lot of it has to do with your hold or having a target and not yeah. necessarily you because if you're not your field because of the turf, but a lot of the, the grass fields, really it's not a terrible lot of difference having a half inch and being on the ground because of the grass. Yeah, I know, you're blessed to have such a great field and, and facility there. You know, you're, you're one of the few that get that uh, nice, beautiful Astro turf that I've actually been on a few times. So, but yeah, uh, yeah well, I tell you what, man, uh, I know looking forward to this season, um, I know you guys have lofty goals. You've been, you've got state titles up there. You've been in state championships. I know you're a team guy. You're a family guy. I get all that. That's no disrespect to anybody who puts on the uniform or represents it. Uh, my next question is about you, though. Now, what are some of your goals for this season, your personal goals?
8: Personal goals, I'd have to say, was go out and be better than last year. I'm not saying I did bad last year, but – like my stats, like punting, I had, I think I was like 38 or 39 yards on each ball. Like whether I hit an end-over-end punt or like a absolute corkscrew spiral like you were talking about, like I'm posting, like it's going probably 50 yards. Pretty good ball. 60 if I'm hitting it great. And probably at least 40 if I'm hitting it back. You know what I'm saying? So punt, I'm just going to say be more consistent with the better balls I hit. Field goal. I missed the one last year that was in Wilson. I'm not going to say a There was a bad hold or anything. I'm going to put that completely on myself. It was my fault. I'm the one who kicked it. I just got to be more consistent there, too, and kick off. I think I did a great job of that last year, uh, 89% in the back of the end zone. So this year I'm just going to try to get more hang like I talked about before. And just like that, like, just like I said before, have a more consistent ball. So I guess all around more consistent game for me. It's got to be better.
2: Yeah, that's a smart move, man. Whether it's a hold or not, if you put a foot on the ball, they expect you to get mm-hmm. it to, you know, If, if it's my blocked and it's a blocking assignment, it's really not your fault, but anything else. you know, And, and just like Dabo told Hugel uh, in the uh, Alabama game, he was a little shaky hold, and the ball might have been pushed, but your ball, your foot touched it, and it was only 20 yards to travel, man. You should put it through and not offset up upright. But I tell you what, man, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I will definitely uh, we'll be in touch because I'm going to definitely look up that rule and i am get it back to you. That might be something that can help you out if it's uh, definitely not a rule that you have to use that blockage and kick off the ground. But I just want to say have a blessed season, man. Stay healthy. I'll be tracking your season. I definitely want to see how you do. And uh, good luck to you. I hope you get that offer soon. Uh, I know you got a lot of talent, and I'm definitely looking forward to following your career.
8: Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. Can't wait to see you all out there. Hopefully get to talk to you all before and after games. Thank you, man. All right, buddy. Well, take care again. Uh,
2: we're going to have to move on. We're uh, about a minute or so over the schedule. So instead of a break, we're going to bring in the, the big man, the big hoss over at Stratford uh, High School and, and uh, Matthew. Uh, let's see. Matthew, you are on with us, buddy? Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, it's good to have you on. I know you called me yesterday and you were kind of in a, and, bind, you needed some practice. We need to work on some kickoffs. I know strapper season's rolling up quick, uh, and there's a few things you felt like you need to fine-tune. I was glad you, you, you reached out and we could get that work in. Uh, talk to us a little bit. Uh, for those who don't know Matthew Haas, uh, I call you the Big Haas because you're a big dude, and I know Coach Denny talked about you on the show. But um, introduce yourself, man, your height, your weight, what year are you? Uh what position you play in any other sport you participate in? And what school, obviously.
9: So uh I'm Matthew Hawes. I go to Stratford High School.
2: I'm fifteen,
9: about two hundred pounds and about say I'm six foot about now and I'm a kicker.
2: And so you play you still play soccer for Stra- for Stratford High School as well, right? Yes, sir. Now I'm going to challenge you on that 200 pounds, because Coach Denny and I, we both kind of kind of give you the weird look when you say 200 pounds. You're a big dude, man. He's still trying to get you to play other positions. But, uh, you know, so talk to us about, a little bit about the kicking game. I know this hour is going to focus on specialists. Um, you know, when did you start kicking footballs? When did you kind of click and say, you know, I can do this? What kind of got your interest into it? Kind of, you know, bring us back to that first day where you decide you want to do it to where you are now. Well, about
9: last year in eighth grade, I had this coach, and he'd nag me every day in the hallway. He'd say, "Oh, you gotta come out and kick for the high school every day." He'd see me in the hallway and say that. So I finally gave in, and right before the summer ended, came out and started kicking. And I always, I've always been able to kick a ball really far, so I was booming, but I was, I didn't really have the technique down. But last summer, whenever I, I did. I didn't end up playing, but I sure did get into it. And this year, I'm really into it. I'm all in now.
2: So, what do you like about it? I know it's kind of a, a pressure situation, or it's kind of a you feel like you're on the island, the only guy out there. You know, what do, what do you what's so fascinating about kicking a football? Because you know, a lot of times the kickers, you know, don't get all, a lot of love from the team unless they make a game winner. You know, it's kind of like a, a lot of teams they don't even know the guy's name. A lot of coaches just call him kicker. You know, they don't even call them. So uh, what what makes that position so attractive to you? Well, for me, being one of the
9: guys on the team who can score points, get those one points after the touchdown and possibly getting three points consistently every now and then and really being able to decide where I'm going in the game on my kickoffs and maybe even getting some game winners. It's appealing to have all that pressure on me.
2: Well, man, i tell you, it's been a, fun, a pleasure training with you. I, you know, I hope we, can, we got in uh, enough or we can kind of fine-tune some things as it goes to get you ready for Coach Denny and Stratford. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we got some stuff, like I told you, you, know, kind of give you a little ideas of kind of what, what this goes and how this goes on the air. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your schedule. I know you're in, you know, the region 5A here in the low country, uh, you know, we're not looking for bulk, bulletin board material unless, you know, there's some team you're really, really looking forward to playing. But uh, you know, looking at your schedule, give us an idea of uh, you know, who you're looking forward to playing. If there's a certain game on the schedule, you're like, Man, I really want to get those guys, you know, they've beaten us this or that. But you know, so talk to us a little bit about uh the, the twenty twenty season. So
9: I know one of the we play Hanahan and a scrimmage and we play them in the Jamboree. I'm not too worried about that, but all the guys keep talking to me at practice. They're like, we've got to win Somerville. They're like, when you take that kick, whenever it comes down to that situation, you can't fold under pressure. You've got to take that kick. You've got to win. You've got to make it no matter where you're from. That's one of the games I'd really like to just show off what I can do. That and Kane Bay, I've always had a, something with Kane Bay, even for soccer. Just every year I've always just tried to beat the crap out of that team, and I'd like to do the same in football keep my composure and hit the ball like I do.
2: Now, I know you get put under pressure there at practice. Uh, do you ever share with them some of the pressure things that you go through in some of your training, or is that something that, uh, that that you keep to yourself? Well,
9: whenever we're kicking on the line, to be honest, whenever we do the PATs and the field goals at practice and they're running at me, it don't really phase me at all. I'm just focused on hitting the ball, keeping my steps right, keeping a rhythm, just doing what I do.
2: Yeah. I love that you mentioned that rhythm. I know that's something you've been working on uh, lately with the little snaps, you know, the one and two, and then the one half and then the one plant, you know, because I think that's where, where you're getting to be, uh, you know, where you're kind of, you know, taking that from, you know, well, I just want to be a serviceable kicker, you know, from my high school to so now. You're like, you know, hey, I want to go put up some points, man. I want, you know, the ball in my hands, the last play. I want the ball on the ground so I can put it through. Um I know you've been doing this for a short time, but uh, give us some PRs, man. What's, what's your longest kickoff and what's your longest field goal?
9: I think my longest kickoff is about anywhere from, pretty sure it's anywhere from like about 62 to 64. I hit that one in practice and then longest field goal. I think I've hit, I hit 40s pretty consistently, but I think I've hit anywhere from like a
2: 45 to like a 48, something like that. Okay. And for those that's listening, again, I know because we've had a senior on here that's hit, you know, a a 60-yarder and whatnot, Uh, so you're 15 years old and going into the 10th grade, you're not one of these seniors, are you? No, sir, I'm not. And, and again, you've never played on the varsity level, have you? No, sir, I have not. So I tell you what, these upcoming scrimmages, I don't know if you guys are going to kick, sometimes – coaches opt out of doing special teams and scrimmages, but uh, so the first game that you may be uh, uh, you know, your first game of the season is going to be that first time. Are you a guy that's wanting to kick off for the first play? Do you hope that uh, your team gets the ball, or do you hope you get to kick off and kind of get those uh, kind of butterflies out your stomach?
9: Oh, I hope we
2: get to kick off first. I want to
9: start the game off putting it in the back of the end zone, get that adrenaline going. I'd rather be out there getting it over with and not having to worry about it later in the game. So I get all that nervousness out of the way, and I'm already kicking. I'm already going on through the game and through the scrimmage.
2: Well, I know you're a 2023 guy, and that means, you know, by the NCAA rules, you know, college coaches can't contact you yet, you know, via text and and email and phone calls and all that stuff. But, you know, looking ahead, and, and I know you have dreams in the future as well, um, you know, what are some of the things that you know, or, or some of the schools that you might be interested in? What are you looking at possibly studying in college, or do you even know of that yet? To be honest, I really got
9: no clue. I haven't looked at all. But if I had to pick something in college right now, it'd probably be mechanical engineering, and I really, I'm really appealed to the D1 schools because I feel like that's everyone's goal to go to the highest they can and looking at like Clemson's real cool. I've always been a fan of Clemson and those teams like that. I feel like it'd be real cool to be a part of a team like that, but it'd take a lot of practice and stats. I need to get
2: up all
9: types of that during the games.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, you know, one of the great, one of the best kickers in, in uh low country history is actually an alumni of your high school. I don't know if you know that, but he's got some pretty good stats and went on to have a great career at collegiate level. Um, so, so let's look forward to, to this year. I know your, your guys' goals. I know you got a, a, a town or a city goal. You guys want to win that tra- that uh, trophy representing the best team in Goose Creek. I know you want to win the region. Of course, you guys want to win a state title. Uh, I know you're a team guy. But let's talk about, uh, you know, the Matthew guy. What are some of your goals for this season? If you could say, hey, you know, I, I love my team. I'm to win every game. I want to make every kick. These are my goals for me going forward this year. What I'd really like to do is
9: every kick, I want to be just composed and all good. But one of my goals for myself, I keep telling myself even in practice, okay, I take this kick, Well, I'm going to make the next one better. I want to keep getting better and better and better. Even over a short period of time, I just want to keep getting better with my kicks and everything I'm doing, especially when it comes into game time, comes into play in a serious situation.
2: I hear it, man, and I know you guys, like you said, you're looking forward to it. You guys are in a very important region, low country. It's kind of the Friday night lights are kind of centered around your region, you know, the Stratford's, the Goose Creek's, as well as the, you know, the Somerville's and the Fort Dorchester's and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I tell you, man, I really appreciate you giving us the time to come on the show. Uh, been a pleasure training you, man, getting to know you. Uh, I know you got a lot of uh, football ahead of you, you know, for, for you to come out and have three years left instead of one year or just kind of taking it up as a hobby. I know this is something you like and put a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, you know, and, and I'll say this for anybody that's listening. Yesterday the young man got up and ran a couple of miles before school, went to school, went to football practice, then texted me and said, Coach, I really need to work on my kickoffs. Can you meet me? And uh, we we certainly did that for an hour. We worked on field goal stuff, too. Uh, man, I, I love your heart. I love your uh, competitiveness, and I love your drive. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Looking forward to following, uh, you know, you personally, but all the guys at Stratford, Coach Dennis, uh Wishing you guys the best season, and I definitely will see you probably uh, Friday or, or this weekend.
9: Yes, sir. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man, you take care, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. All right, folks, that was the hour of kickers. We uh, started out the first part of the hour, went over to North Augusta and hit Drew uh, Stevens. He's a young buck. He's a rising junior who's doing really well, kicking some big balls, as you heard. He's got some big PRs on his list. His 60-yard field goal, uh, 72-yard kickoff. Uh, we left up North Augusta and headed over to uh, Mount Pleasant to talk to Spencer McKinley, uh, Oceanside, also a rising junior. He's been on the road competing with and, and against uh, Drew Stevens. Um, Spencer's ranked 26th in the nation. He has a long ball field goal of 59 that he hit in the competition, as well as a 69-yard kickoff, uh, and, and both are looking for a great season coming up. We left uh, Spencer McKinley there in Mount Pleasant, headed up 17 to Myrtle Beach. We talked to big Sully Harden, uh, who's a rising senior at Myrtle Beach High School. My man's hit 60-yard field goals. He's hit 72-yard kickoffs. He's actually put one through the uprights. The last time I had someone measure that, uh, if you can kick off from the 40 and put it through the uprights, it's on average almost an 80-yard kickoff. So, you know, what a talent in that guy. And then we followed up with a very young man. We just started uh, his craft over at Stratford High School. And Matthew Haas, he's a rising sophomore. He's a big kid with a big leg. You know, he's already just starting to get on his craft and starting to perfect little things. But he's definitely a hard worker and doing some great things. But uh, we're running up now. It's about 7.59. So we're going to take a quick break. And we'll come back at 8 o'clock. Uh, my main man, Richie, is now back from uh, what he had to do over at the practice fields and uh, getting to know some of the young man, young men over there and uh, watching some things so that we can better prepare ourselves on the show by covering some of these athletes. It's always helpful to get to know them, get to know the backgrounds, where they're coming from, rather than just get on here and just say, hey, who the heck are you? Uh, So after this quick break, we'll bring Richie back in, and then we will got the last hour, the big 8 o'clock power hour, coming up.
0: Uh-huh. Ooh. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Uh-huh. I've been grinding so long, been trying this shit for years, uh-huh. and I got nothing to show. Just the not Hey, good afternoon everybody. Of course, I am Rich Oldham. Uh, Eugene has done
10: a phenomenal job. We'll give him a round of applause for not only getting it up and running but handling the battleship as I was out and about, and Nike mentioned, I was uh, over at Fort Dorchester as I, of course, uh, get the honor, the opportunity to be the voice of the Fort Dorchester Patriots via TV. That's going to be another uh, opportunity for me and, of course, all of us here on Southern Sports Central and the Southern Sports Central Network. That's right. Last night, Eugene, I don't know if you mentioned it, but Everett fans did a five-star job, of course, with the... West Foundation Sports Show, Uh, I thought he put three solid hours, five solid guests, and really hit a home run, and it just began last night with one new show, got another one tomorrow night, Miss V from the South Carolina High School Blitz, she's kicking off at 6.30, she's the first lady of both of these domains, and then on Friday, Brandon comes in all the way from Myrtle Beach with a morning show, and then the professor He'll kick off a Sunday night show. So there's a lot going on, and just like that, Eugene, you hit a... I'd say you hit a 50-yarder today, my friend. I'd give you 100 yards, man. Great job in the first two hours, and I appreciate you doing all that you do when I, of course, can't jump on with you.
0: I appreciate
2: it, man. Uh, You
10: know, I had an hour of uh,
2: a dude that, uh, you know, I I just got to meet the Myrtle Beach kicker. I didn't know him real well. Uh, I did meet his uh, teammates um, and a guy that's under him up in Tennessee, but you know, I'd seen a lot of his film on some of his punts, and he kind of, you know, was kind of tickled to, to, to see that I picked up on his corkscrew and how he had developed that. So, you know, it was great meeting a new kid, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of what he can do. I, I love all kids that compete, especially those that uh, compete in, a, you know, a skill that I train guys in. And, that uh, you know, right. it, was, it was kind of near and dear to my heart. So it was a great hour, man, Of these young men. We had a sophomore. We had two uh, rising juniors. And then we had a senior. You know, all these guys have big aspirations, big legs, big personalities. All of them are great students in the classroom. And So, if that hour flew by, I wish I had many more hours. And, you know, I really wish I could have had a microphone in my hand and done it from a football field with all of them kicking and interviewing at the same time. That's the (laughs)
10: only way it would have made it better, man. Well, i tell you what, man, that was your love language, brother. And, of course, that hour, power hour, if you would, is a special hour with special teams, all of the kickers. From all around, of course, that was the neat thing. We stayed somewhat on the coast with a kicker from Myrtle Beach, kicker in Charleston, one up towards Goose Creek, and all the way down in Augusta, north Augusta, we had a young man uh, who has really grown in itself, and it's been a fun pleasure connecting with him and his family. But uh, you did a great job, and, again, that segment was brought to you by, well, the man right there, his own company, that is the uh, course. uh, Well, give your company there some love and a shout-out, Eugene, and tell them how to find you if they need some kicking lessons. Yeah, man, it's uh, Low Country Kicking Academy. Probably the best and
2: easiest way is just to hit me up on my cell phone, 843-489-7756. You can also hit us up here on the on the station on the Twitter, uh, on my Twitter, at, at Coach E. Benton, uh, or, you know, the Southern Sports Central. You know, you can hit me up there. There's Low Country Kicking Academy page on Facebook or my own personal Facebook. You know, there are a lot of coaches right. in Low Country especially that you know the coach in low country if you just ask uh you know they, they and that's how i've gotten a lot of kids it was like the kid we just talked about from um Stratford. Uh, a soccer coach knew he could kick the soccer coach reached out to me via via the twitter page on southern Sports central we had a conversation with the head coach because uh, at the time you know i was a coach on another staff we had a conversation with the head coach cleared the path and said you know hey man we're just trying to help this kid achieve his goals and you know away it went and we started training so um Definitely easy to reach, definitely interested. Uh, train, you know, I got middle school kids. Uh, B team all the way up through high school. Uh, so you know, the resume speaks for itself. I've had kids set records in the state of South Carolina in scoring and percentage makes. We got kids who are ranked as high as two in the nation, twenty sixth in the nation right now, thirteenth in the nation. And I you know, and I train all facets. That's uh field goal, kickoff, hunting and, and I train all facets of kickoff. It's not always about the long ball. Sometimes you got to hit those onside kicks, left, right, middle, recover it. you got to hit those squibs, you know. But, of course, you're, you're expected to, if uh, you're a kicker, you know, to put it between uh, the pipes and
10: over that crossbar. So, definitely work on that as well. Well, you do a great job, my friend, and it's an honor to have you part of our family. And, again, we continue to grow as we go here on Southern Sports Central. You like the intro there coming into Hour 3? That's the NWO, the Wolfpack, because that's what you got here at Southern Sports Central. And, again, you know why this is the flagship show of Southern Sports Central. We've grown quite a bit, and, I mean, we're all across the entire state of South Carolina from the lower country of Charleston up to the Grand Strand of Myrtle Beach. We touched Columbia a couple of different times and all the way to the upstate, of course, with the South Carolina High School Blitz. So we've got it all. We've got, of course, Everett Sands, who played high school football at Conway, college football at the Citadel. He's a running back in multiple stops as a running back coach. One of those was at the University of South Carolina where he was the running back coach for Marcus Latimore. You guys know that name, very familiar. Well, he did that. He also was at NC State, University of Texas, San Antonio, Coastal, just to name a few. So to have him bring on a show. Now, again, we all bring something different to the table. And whatever it brought last night I thought was great. It was not about the athletes on the field. It was about what does the athlete do when he gets off the field. And you can go back to the archives and listen to last night's show. Now, that being said, Eugene, I know we've got a young man coming in from the upstate who we kind of partnered with these guys back in 2012. Mr. Cole Bryson at the time was our contact there. He was a high school student. Over at Bowling Springs, since then, he's uh, gone to college, gotten engaged, and he works for ESPN Upstate, but we kept the relationship with our guys over there. Justin Mathis now joins us from that same company, the Upstate Prep Cast guys. They've got four different, I would say, teams that they follow, and they, of course, represent, and Justin will say good afternoon and welcome to Southern Sports Central, brother.
7: Uh, Thank you for having me, Richie. Uh, Glad to be here tonight uh, talking about some football. Uh, Finally, the uh, target is within sight.
10: No doubt. i actually practice today, so I had to let Eugene just say, hey, Eugene, do what we do, buddy. Get a home run, and he did just that earlier. But, uh, you know, it is fun, man. It's a lot of fun to be, you know, here on the radio with everybody. But to be at the practice field like I was, this afternoon and, and scrimmages are, are the conversation right now. That's kind of the, the, what we're doing next type of thing that you're, that you're hearing from a lot of these, uh, you know, players and coaches. And, uh, again, it's just a lot of fun, but for you guys over there at the upstate prep cast, you guys are the home of Springs, Chapman, Chesney, and Landrum. Now you're the voice over there at Landrum. That's gotta be a lot of fun. Of course, uh, you and I have that in common when it comes to, uh, being that Friday night lights up uh, voice across uh, the airways.
7: Oh yeah, it's a bunch of fun. I mean, this is I'm going into my uh, second year as the play-by-play guy. Started out, I'm a sideline guy by trade. It's funny how things work, you know, when you have to shuffle some things around and other people move on and whatnot. And I'm just like, a, I kind of view myself like a utility guy, just like a utility guy on the bench at a baseball game. Hey, I can play. Multiple positions, you just plug me in somewhere and I'll go. But I mean, yeah, just, you funny you mentioned practice. I actually went out to Landrum's first uh, shoulder pad practice yesterday because yesterday's first day where everybody across the state could put on shoulder pads. And it was just good to see those kids out there finding some semblance of normalcy, playing the game they love.
10: We're live right now with Justin Mathis. You can find him over there at the Upstate Prep cast. He is one of the voices on this team. He does the voice, of course, of uh, the Landrum guys up there on Friday night. I believe that's a 2A program in the upstate. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Landrum before we talk about the other three programs and uh, starting to get to know a little bit more about uh, what's going on in the upstate.
7: Well, yes, Landrum is a 2A school. This is a 1A school for a long time up until I think about uh, the early 2010s when realignment happened and, you know, how things work with enrollment and whatnot. They got bumped up to 2A, and they've been 2A ever since. Uh, a couple of years ago, had an 8-3 and three season, uh, best season in a good little bit for them, and they're going to be a bit young this year, but they still have some guys coming back with a lot of experience, and hopefully it'll help some of these younger guys grow. You know, uh, Cooper Gentry, uh, start with the quarterback, you know, get the <laughs> – Start with the guy who's uh, the field general. Uh, Cooper Gentry does a good job. Uh, he, he is a senior for the Cardinals. Um, he's been around football his whole life. His dad's been a football coach at a few places across here in the upstate, like a Carolina high school over in Greenville. Uh, was at Chapman for a number of years, and then he's been at Landrum for the past few years as a coach. And then he took on the AD role. But, yeah, Cooper does a great job managing the game. I mean and I guess it kinda of helps. He's been son of a coach. You have a, a lineman, a six foot four junior, plays both ways. You know, that's how things work at the lower level. Ethan Dugat, he is a high motor kid, high energy kid, has a great attitude. You know, and I think that energy is very contagious, especially when your team like Langerman only return a handful of starters on each side of the ball. You're gonna need that kind of energy as the season progresses. But I mean and then uh Noticed a couple of newcomers yesterday at practice, including a running back. I think his name is Ryan Bumlet. He' real shifty fellow. Got some speed, good muscle on him. Has some moves where he can make a cut on a dime. I mean, I'm just excited to see what all these kids can do here for the Cardinals this year.
10: We're live right now, hanging out over on Southern 4 Central with uh, a family member who uh, we haven't had a chance to work with him as much yet, but all that is getting ready to change here, of course, on Southern Sports Central. We're live with Justin Mathis, the voice of the team up in the upstate Landrum as they get ready for 2A football. Of course, it was the last year 2A, well, went right into Saluda's backyard. Now, is this a team that these guys look forward to? And, where does Saluda fall on the schedule? Is it on the schedule for you guys this year?
7: Uh, no, is not on our schedule, obviously. Uh, we're kind of up here in the northern part of the county where we're kind of not real. That's a, a good little drive away from us. And But, I mean, still, that was a pretty stout Saluda team. Uh, I had a feeling Saluda would make a run last year. I'd, I'll be honest, I wouldn't have picked them. But I'll just call myself out there. But, yeah, 2A, uh, the way it's been for a number of years is – it's Abbeville and then everybody else. But uh, Saluda had something to say about that last year. And so, but no, we don't, we don't get to see them this year.
10: Well, unless you go into the championship, right? I mean, I would imagine, because I think they're still in 2A, right? They didn't move up in classifications. I know there was a lot of moving, shaking and baking in different regions and all that, but you guys both on 2A and the only way you would see each other is make it to the playoffs and deep into the run, battling for the day. Right. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, I thought so, man. i tell you what, you know, it's a lot of fun, and, and and kind of, you know, for me, I'm kind of doing the same thing. I took over a new role, a new opportunity. God's given me a new gift with a new battlefield is what I call them out here as I'm now over at Ford. And while I know a lot of these young athletes, you know, I'm still having to learn a few other ones, uh, Justin, when I watch it. So I'm out at practice the last couple of weeks, and, you know, I'm done with the, the – you know, I'm always fist bumping. But I'm done with the, the, the introduction part of life now. Now I'm at the, okay, they know who I am. They know what I'm here to do. They know I'm here observing what they do because my job is to get as much knowledge as I can because on Friday night, the worst noise you hear is silence, right? I mean, what you yep. and I do, if there is, is dead space, that's that's a bad thing. That's like missing a block or, or dropping a ball in the end zone for us. I mean, that doesn't happen. shouldn't happen. You know, overrunning the quarterback. No, it shouldn't that type happen. Stuff, so When you look at it, man, and and I say it a lot of times in the the, the preparedness that you and I do, and, again, we talked about this earlier as we were kind of just catching up a little bit, it starts for you and me on Saturday night. It doesn't start on Friday afternoon. It doesn't start when we get into the press box. No, this thing is a preparedness and always a moving target because we play different teams through the year. Guys come in and out on our rosters. I mean, let's think about it. I mean, the guy that could be the starting quarterback, He goes down. you got to find out who this other kid is, find out his weaknesses, his strengths, and and, and things like that. Since you've taken over this role over at Landrum, you know, being new and a little bit young into this position, which I'm excited for you guys. And and I'll tell you something, that's where you all start. That's where I started was on the sideline at at McKissick Field, following and chasing behind the legendary coach, John McKissick, right, who is the winningest coach in, 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 in the country and will go down as that. And I can tell you, I couldn't have asked to follow a better guy to train me. And he did. He would work and train me as much as any of the other guys at the studios. But what's been the biggest thing in your transition from that sideline to hitting the press box or hitting, uh, you know, the airwaves and now being that guy? You're the voice. So when you walk around that Landrum school facility in those towns, it's a different feeling than it is when you were on the sideline.
7: Yeah, it is. the biggest adjustment for me last year uh, was just, how much more frequently saying the time and score because you know normally as a sideline guy you don't have to say that a whole lot you're just chiming in hey, if you see something on the field that the guys up top may not have been able to see you know that's what you're the extra set of eyes, but now it's just kind of finding that a new type of uh, rhythm so to speak up there when you're the one guiding the ship through the night you know mm. so but hey i've I'm always been one that has welcomed to new challenges so I mean at when I was younger, I didn't quite appreciate that as much as I do now <laughs> that I'm a little bit older and wiser, you know, graduated college and whatnot a few years ago. But, I mean, that's kind of something I learned to uh, be more open to when uh, like, when I was starting trying to break in and got was fortunate enough to uh, cover North Greenville my second year in. I started in as the in-studio host at North Greenville on our campus radio station. And uh, that was the year Willie Corn arrived in 2010. He transferred in right before the start of the season. And then the next year, many people around the state may remember, 2011 North Greenville makes the magical – the crazy run to the NCAA Division II quarterfinals, third round. And I don't think many people would have picked that outside of our little bubble. So – but, I mean, it's just – I've always been – have to learn to – A, welcome new challenges, and B, be ready to live on the
10: fly if it calls for it. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's a nice fun fact for you guys who didn't know. Of course, uh, you know, we are live right now with a man who is, uh, well, excited to be a part of what we're doing here on Southern Sports Central. We're excited to have him in here, of course. uh, He is looking to gain and gain a lot of uh, opportunity here with us on Southern Sports Central. That is Justin Mathis. He's a crusader. What is the Crusader? Well, it's the North Greenville mascot. And uh, I got to tell you, man, North Greenville, I, I got some buddies who went to school there. They lived in the G unit. Uh, for you guys who went to North Greenville, you know, that's where they put the athletes, right there on that back area where nobody else can see them. There's a road that leads to the highway to that back door. I don't know what it's there for. All I know is that's the road, and then it goes where it goes. Now there uh, <laughs> They've,
7: done some, the they've done some changes
10: since I left.
7: Uh, they put in, like, oh. an extra four-way stop around there right across from that first road <laughs> where you would come out of the uh, baseball field, go across toward the football stadium, you know. Right. Uh, and they've ad- made some you know more additions in terms of dorms and everything over there. So.
10: And it's a beautiful <laughs> campus. It's on the other side of PR. Oh, yeah. It's over there on the other side of Furman. You know, and, and the running joke was always, if you think it's tough here at North Greenville, let me introduce you to this co- campus called Bob Jones. I mean, you know, that was kind of always <laughs> so that was that was my buddy because I would come in there from Columbia, man, and I was, you know, it was a down weekend, and you know, I didn't, yeah, you know, I'd go up to Clemson some, and all my buddies was, hey, man, come on by, come on by the uh, the G spot or whatever, dude, and they had their own little nicknames for it, and so I would go over there, and I'm like, oh, you can't go in the dorm rooms. I mean, you know, I get it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Because um, and, and what I'm getting at here, guys, is that. You know, uh, the males have their spots and the girls have their spots and the guys can't go in the girls' dorm room. Now, Charleston Southern has a similarity because it is the sister campus or the brother campus. I don't know which one it is, but I know they have a similarity and a connection there, one's on the beach and one's in the mountains. But i got to be honest with you, man. I I think what I've seen out of you, what I've seen out of Cole Bryson, what I've seen out of a couple of my buddies that have come out of this school, it has taught you guys a lot more than just a college experience. It teaches you guys – the quality of life, you got to go yep. to chapel. You have to learn certain things. There are certain things that, that you don't get on a public campus, a university, if you will, that you have to have Wednesday chapel. You have to have a Bible class within the, the scheduling that you're in, right? I mean, there is some things there yep. that, that are similar to colleges like everybody else. But what was it about North Greenville to you? And I, I'm asking you this question because this has to do with our athletes that are listening tonight we're so focused on power five. We're so focused on going and being the big baller at Bama or Clemson or wherever it is in that regime of power five that North Greenville offers you a lot of opportunity. And as long as you're on a football field or a baseball field or anything like that, Justin, that opportunity is just as good as if you're standing on a sideline, never seeing the field at some power five. So what is it? what would you say to sell an athlete why he or she should go play athletics at North Greenville?
7: Well, uh, I'll speak up, try and speak up for not only North Greenville, but other schools at, like, the Division Two level and sure. It's an opportunity to go play. Do not overlook, it. oh, it's D2. You might, that might be the only chance you get, and you turn it down, you know? I mean, but the thing is, it's an opportunity to go play. I mean, there's – I saw something last night, and I can't remember who posted it, but there's 60 players in the NFL that have come off of D2 rosters that made the uh, – 53-man rosters in the NFL for this upcoming season that's about to start, I think, tomorrow night. Mm. So just keep that in mind. If If you are working hard and whatnot and you can capitalize on every opportunity, they will find you. It doesn't matter what level you play at. It's an opportunity to take that next step potentially.
10: We're live right now with Justin Mathis. You can hear him over there with the guys at Upstate PrepCast. They do multiple games, but it's his game. It is a call that you hear that voice hanging out with you on a Friday night when the lights cut on and nobody's home because they're all in the stands, their earbuds in listening to this young man right here. He, of course, is the voice of Landrum, the 2A program in the Upstate, right pinched up in that corner quadrum up there in the state of South carolina and again there's so much we learn from us whether it be him being the voice of landrum or him being the voice of north greenville we learn as we go who thought that we would not only have Cole bryson oh by the way that young man graduated from north greenville here's this young man graduating from north greenville so they're doing something big and they're chasing their dreams you get to live it every day so since you've taken it That role over there, Justin, and being the voice of Landrum, I know what it's like for me to walk through towns where I get the chance to be the voice representing multiple young men and their families and the coaching staff because these are the voices that they hear when they log into the game or they tune on the TV or whatever it may be where they find us. You know, what is it like for you? I mean, again, kind of paint the picture of Landrum or or that area for those who have never been there and I'm not familiar with it, so you're going to have to paint it for me, and this is a great preparation for what's coming up on Friday night. But what is what is what what is a small town like Landrum like? Is it a shutdown city on Friday night? And does everybody in the small town USA, when you walk in the diner, is it kind of like Friday night life where everybody says, hey, Justin, we're going to win tonight?
0: Well, <laughs>
7: well, it's a very, very tight-knit community. I mean, they love their sports, no matter whether it's football, basketball, or especially baseball. I mean uh, – Landrum has a rich history in baseball and they're trying to build that up with these uh with a there's a lot of tradition and no matter where you look in all their sports but yeah it's a very close-knit town you see a lot of people you know from church and whatnot uh like where I go to church I have a couple of students from I think Chapman Landrum Bowling Springs that all uh some of, of of them attend my church so I get to see them and some parents like on a not normally before the game, but a couple of them will come knock on the window before we go on air and just say, "Hey, we'll be listed," that kind of thing. But I try not to think about that too much because I'm just—I'm here to serve the kids. I'm here to serve these com- communities that we're uh, privileged enough to serve here uh, with uh, Bowling Springs, Chesney, Chapman, and Landrum. We're just very fortunate. We—we do what we do as a service to them, to these uh, students, their families, the schools, the communities. You know. And so, like, if Aunt Molly can't listen to her grandson Bill or to her nephew Billy, who and she lives three states over and can't make it. Well, obviously, especially this year, this is a whole nother ball game. But we're there for them too, you know. We're there to provide that avenue where they can hey, pull up and hear how that their, their family member is doing when they don't get to see them all that often.
10: Yeah, you're exactly right, man, because here's the thing. There is a very strict guideline. Even in scrimmages, you have to have a ticket to get in. So if you think you're going to show up on a Saturday afternoon, to maybe watching a Fort Dorchester and Sumter, it ain't happening, unless you got pay-per-view through the fence and they don't get on you there. But even when you go into these events, you still have to be mandated. And I know certain counties, like where I'm at in Dorchester County, as of midnight, they did away with the masks Mandate Now, that, of course, is uh, if you want to keep wearing it, keep wearing it. I just ask that you be responsible. That's up to you and that you do yep. what you're supposed to do. And that's whether you're drinking and driving or you're up in somebody's face within, uh, you know, the uncomfortable spot. And that, of course, again, that, that doesn't change. All right. Hopefully we continue this going forward. Now, that being said, there is a lot of new rules put in place. Justin, what, what rules have you seen? And, and or I believe it is going to be a statewide that they're going to be going through cell phones to purchase tickets. They're going to be using a lot of that virtual cell phone to get you in and out of stadiums. And, and, and the only time that you can be, I believe, gated together is families that are, of course, uh, in the same household. Everybody else has got to be spaced out. And, again, tickets have to be purchased early. And you have to, of course, uh, bring a mask in with the stadium when you come into the stadium. Is that correct?
7: Yeah, that's what I've uh, been able to read. I know, like, uh, last week, Spartanburg District 1, which it, which the two high schools there are, are two of our four, Chapman and Landrum, uh, they came out with their guidelines, announced it, I think, Friday last week. It's on the Spartanburg uh, – I think it's Spartanburg District 1 Facebook page. They have it there. It's in a tier – like, Monday is, like, players, coaches – cheerleaders and whoever else that I guess is key to the game. Then the next day it opens up to a different group and so on and so forth to all the ticket allotment is gone or they've reached their certain capacity on one side, you know, like they're limiting visitors to so many and the home fans get a, a, obviously will get a little bit more depending on where you're at. But that's what sure. I've seen. I've seen the mandate about the mask, but you have to wear them in. But I know like with skis, what they, their rule is they make you wear them when you're up and walking around or you're, and if you sit down, you can take it off. So I'm wondering right. if maybe the, maybe that may be implemented sometime before the season begins, if they will be a little bit more. Flexible with the mask rule about hey, we won't make you wear it even when you're sitting down. If you're where you're supposed to be sitting down, we'll let you take off your mask, but you need to put it back on, like if you're walking around the stadium and whatnot, where you're going to encounter a big group of people potentially.
10: Yeah, you know, I think it's a lot like if you're at the restaurant. Think about guys, when we've been able to get out into a restaurant environment, you're able to walk into the restaurant, you put on the mask, you get to your table, you drop the mask, you get back up, whether it be to go to the restroom or to exit stage left, pick up that mask, let's do it the right way. And, again, as long as we do the best that we can do, we can hopefully not hurt. Because here's the thing. If we do this right, then basketball's got a chance. If we do this right, then softball and baseball and the spring sports have a chance. And, again, that to me is going to be, you know, uh, the bigger things that we're looking at. Because, yes, football and tennis, and cross-country, and by the way, I saw all of these happening today, and it was a blessing. It was so awesome to see these athletes just getting after it today, and that to me is a lot of fun. Now, that being said, I just hope we keep doing it the right way. Man, I want to tell you that I really greatly appreciate you jumping in here tonight, and uh, just know, number one, you're not going far, because uh, next week we're going to get you in here, and I'm going to, you know, if you want to rotate with uh, your buddies over there, And, of course, uh, with the Upstate PrepCast, it depends whoever's available on uh, any given night, be it a Monday or Thursday. Let's try to get you for 20 to 15 minutes, somewhere in there to kind of talk about what's going on. In the Upstate, you guys can help us with the four schools that you guys are focused on. And uh, we'll just keep having a little bit of fun, man. But uh, congratulations on another year ahead of you. And uh, let's compare notes throughout the year, man. Let's help each other get better. How about it?
7: Yes, sir. Sounds like a plan,
10: Richie. Thank you for the time. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Mathis. You can find him and his crew doing what they do on a Friday night with the Upstate Prep Cast. of course, home of Boylan Springs, Chapman, Chesney, and Landrum Athletics, providing coverage in the Upstate since 2005. You can check out their website at upstateprep-cast.net. They do an incredible job, and I look forward to building the relationship, of course, with Justin and us over here at Southern Sports Central. I tell you, the funniest story, back in 2005, and twelve, These guys came, I believe it was 2012, and the crew, they covered Boylan Springs. Of course, you guys know there's a lot of big names that have come out of that school that have uh, Phil Petty and Dylan Thompson. If you're Gamecock fans, you know those names pretty well, quarterbacks, of course. Uh, they came here to Somerville, and I brought them into the studio. And, of course, Cole Bryson was a sophomore, I believe, in high school at the time, and his entire crew came in, and we fed them. We put them on the radio, and then we went to the stadium, and they beat us. Talking about disrespect. Man, I feel like Roddy, Roddy Dangerfield come out of that gig. But nevertheless, we forgive him years later. We're going to take a break. We'll come back, Eugene, myself, and all those listening. We're going to wrap up 30 minutes. We've got a lot to cover, Eugene. So ice down those pipes, brother. We're coming back. We're talking football right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richyov alongside Eugene Ben. Want to thank the big man, Justin Mathis. He, of course, is the voice of Landrum High School. Of course, they will be heard this year on the Upstate Prep Cast team over there at Upstate Prep-Cast.net. Not only them, but three other schools are covered over there with those fine young guys over there: the Boyland Springs, Chapman, Chesney, and, like I mentioned, the Landrum. Guys will be broadcasted live. Now, you heard the music there, Eugene, and and I think that the music was playing loud when the report came out of Athens because nobody dislikes the Georgia Bulldogs more than the Florida Gators, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing. And I saw this come out a while, about six hours ago, that UGA will not be on the sidelines this season for the Bulldogs. For the first time since there has been UGA, there will not be an UGA mascot on the sidelines with the Georgia Bulldogs this season. Now, Ugga's latest in a long line of white English Bulldogs who have served as the Georgia mascot since 1950 will be banned from the field this year, but it's nothing personal. Eugene, is this one of many? And I got to ask you, is Tennessee, and and, and is that dog gone too?
2: Old Smokey, I doubt it. I really doubt Tennessee is going to keep Old Smokey from the field, but you know what? Boo-hoo for Georgia. They won't allow us to bring an alligator (laughs) on the field, so I don't feel sorry for them. You know I mean? The dog.
0: Oh, uh, the man. history of Georgia
2: Bulldogs has a little uh, a negative history. I mean, for God' goodness' sake, the thing bit an Auburn player one time in the arm. So uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, I think him and Ralphie Buffalo got into it once, and him and Bevo, uh, the Texas Longhorn, got into it once. So you know, perhaps uh, they should uh, just keep the old guy, you know, at <laughs> home, keep him safe at home. <laughs>
10: if you guys don't know, Eugene's a Florida Gator guy, so I kind of. You know, I uh, figured I would give them some bait there. Of course, uh, a, a little bit there now. You know, and, and I am curious whether or not old Smokey is gone. And, and, and our mascots across the board on the sideline? Are they gone with this whole rules and regulations and the new things that are happening? Because you know, like I mentioned, uh, there is going to be a lot of differences here this year. It's going to be a little bit not what we're used to. I don't like to say normal. I like to say not what we're used to. You to do is this: before you leave know the rules. Before you show up, respect the rules. When you get there, follow the rules. It's just that simple. No, nobody wants to do what's different. It's uncomfortable. right? It's, it's uncomfortable. You remember wearing a seatbelt? Well, yeah, you do because you've been doing it for so long. But there are those of us who at one time, it used to not be a rule or a law, if you will, to wear a seatbelt. But now you got to wear one. And if you get caught without one, you get a, you get a ticket. But there was a time I ain't going to say many moons ago, Eugene, but a, a, a few years back, dated back, that we didn't have to wear seatbelts, remember? I mean, that was, that was kind of the thing. I remember standing beside my grandfather in a GTE hat. It was my dad. My dad was a big man in the GTE corporation back in the day. And it was turned around backwards. He had an old, old-school Ford pickup truck. I mean, with the old gears right there in the count. whatever. I'm not a big gearhead, so I don't know the whole lingo, guys. I remember not having a seatbelt on. Nor sitting in a seat nor sitting in a car seat. I remember standing beside an old guy there with my arm on his shoulder, and we were cruising down beachfront property up in Myrtle Beach, going where we were going. Now there's different things in place, there's different rules in place. That's just the way it works. Schools have to make certain things, Eugene. I don't know if you knew this or not, but they to make this thing happen, you know, they're having to space these kids out. They're having to put them on multiple means of transportation. Okay, this is not something that that, that that is going to be easy. It might be more comfortable because now you're not going to be on top of each other on the bus. But there's a lot of things that are happening to take place just to get these things going. And, I, hey, look, I give everybody who's getting it done a tip of the cap. I give everybody who's putting in that work a thank you very much. And, again, it is a full-fledged operation, and I can't wait to see the success. And I'm going to speak it into existence, Eugene, because I think it's going to be a successful season. I think we're going to play our seven games. And by the way, not everybody's playing seven games. Coach Smitty was on with uh, Everett Sands last night on his show, and he said, I'm only playing five. I'm not even putting the other two games because they don't count. So I'll just keep my kids uh, back, and then we'll go into the playoffs with a couple of weeks off. We'll just practice. Nice. That's their progress. I wonder, Eugene, how many coaches are going to do that. So that's not a bad thing. Because you think of the injuries, and, and you see NFL and colleges, more NFL does this than not, but, you know, right before the end of the season, they've already clinched the spot in the playoffs, just go play. My thing is, he must be going ahead and expecting to be in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and he's a smart guy, man. He's well-educated. Maybe it's a uh, strategic type of move that he's playing, you know, and just hold those guys back that – he didn't want to, you know, expose them to anything. He doesn't want to expose them to injury or illness or anything like that. So, uh, like you said, it's his prerogative. I think he's, you know, going to do what he's got to do for the best of his team. You know, and he, he actually, from what I saw heading into the preseason, he had a pretty good team coming back. So, he might feel pretty good about that uh, playoff. But then those other two games, they don't mean anything to his playoff. So, he's going to focus on the games he's got to win, those must-win games. And that's five games on the schedule to get to that playoff. And then from there, you know, it's off to the run, into to that state title. So, you know, kudos to him. He's making the decision that he feels the best for his team, you know, and uh, they'll go out and play the games on the schedule, hopefully win them all, and uh, win them all in the playoffs.
10: Yeah, and that's the thing. And, again, I understand, you know, my only thought process was, and I'm going to play devil's Advocate, was, well, you might not have, you know, you might not want to play your seniors, or maybe your junior. maybe you got some guys who normally wouldn't play. Maybe that's the time to get them in to let them play. So that's kind of my thought process. Not to mention, while I get there's a lot of positive of not playing, there is a concern of not, say, rust, but definitely sharpness, right? That's one thing you get consistently. When you're working out, when you're getting after it, and those things are happening, it becomes a routine. They always say if you do something more than 20 times, it becomes a habit. That's not always good. It's not always bad. It depends what you're doing 20 times, whether it's good or bad. Eugene. So we'll we'll wait and kind of see what happens. Now remember, uh, we're not that far away from kickoff from the season, man. I mean, I can tell you that I'll be in week one, uh, is it September twenty seventh, Friday night. You can catch me over at Ashley Ridge, uh, as uh the fort, and I head over there to play the Swamp Foxes. We had one of their big men in Hampton Smith, uh, on um on Sunday night. He did a great job. We actually had a defensive back in here actually. Uh, Mr. Levine came in uh, for for Dorchester. I thought that was pretty neat to have an offense and a defensive guy from two guys that will see each other in week one. They're both class of 2021. And, uh, you you know, you just kind of – it's it's beginning a little bit more and more like, I think this is going to happen. And you saw the report that we put out, uh, I believe it was yesterday, where uh, no reports came out of uh, of these players, I guess, is what it was saying, Eugene. I know you're big into these stats and you're big into these headlines, so I'm sure when I shared that one, you probably read it pretty quickly and uh, kind of high-fived yourself, huh?
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> I did. And, and that's the thing is, you know, that, but but going back to the rush, um, you know, that was something that, that Reginald and I talked about uh, with the Navy game. Those guys up until that game against BYU – had been uh, forbade from any contact uh, in practice. So their very first game was full contact. And you saw so many times, especially on defense, some busted coverages. He and I counted, I think it was four plays, four touchdown plays, where a receiver was standing alone in the end zone with no defender around him. And we think, uh, you know, our our hypothesis was, you know, that was the first physical contact uh, those guys had had all preseason. That's just not something you do. Uh, you know, there, there's a building up here, but then there's also that period of, you know, where you're running, where you're hitting guys, you're chipping guys. You know, you you kind of get in those rub routes if you're a receiver, you're a DB, you're learning how to play off those things. And they just didn't have those things. And, uh, you know, the, I, I respect the the Naval Academy as well as all the service academies for the ultimate sacrifice they make. But on top of that, you know, the, the extra sacrifice to be a Division One athlete. And it just, you know, it kind of showed there. Um, and, and that was one of the things that he said he learned right after it was that was the first physical contact those players had had all preseason was that very first game. So that's pretty tough. But, um, right. you know, and I, th- I think when it comes to the high school level, you know, we just got some good news out of DD2 about an hour or so ago that says uh, because of declining numbers the DD2 is already switching to a hybrid model instead of an all-virtual model. So I think we're starting to see, hopefully, you know, I'm going to call that into existence that we're now on the downside of the mm-hmm. curve so to speak and we'll get these athletes back in school with their teammates, coaches and teachers, getting that face to face learning, building those relationships. But one other point I wanted to bring up and uh you know I was taking the side of Coach Smitty. I think he's doing the right thing, you know, for what his team is, you know, I think he's doing the right thing um how he manages his own team. Other coaches do the right thing by how they manage their own team. Uh one concern, you know, like you said, playing devil's advocate might be with playing those five games, unfortunately you know, I think they have a pretty good team. I don't think they would lose the first game in the playoffs. But a lot of college teams, you know, a lot of scouts want to see a certain amount of game film. They want to see, let me let me see, your, you know, seven, eight games. Let me see the ten games, you know. And I get this season might be a little different because they know everybody has weird things going on, that they may only play a certain amount of games. They might play seven, whatnot. So that will probably be adjusted. However, you know, like you said, there's some young guys that need that experience who aren't graduating who are coming back next year hoping for that full season, need to get those uh, game plays and that little bit of film under their belt so they can learn from it. Uh, so, you know, it, right. it's a tough situation. Again, you know, he's making the best call for C.E. Murray. Other schools are, are making the best call for their school. But, uh, you know, I can see both sides of that. Um, but, you know, I, I know the guys are going to go out, they're going to put on for those five games and it to the playoffs. Uh, I have no doubt just because of, like I said, I think he's bringing back a pretty good team. I know they were highly regarded in the preseason. So, uh, And he always coaches them up well. But, um, you know, there's both sides of that story, man, Uh, both sides of that coin. Uh, I can see where the young guys could definitely use some playing time. But, you know, then again, why risk an injury if it doesn't matter? Same as the NFL. Well,
10: I think you look at the other side, too, and and I get that, too. But what about the guys, to me, again, just playing devil's advocate and not saying he's right or wrong. It's his team. It's kind of like you're running your house. I get that. But what about the guys who – who may never play football, you know, who may not get a chance because they're graduating this year and they're not going to go play college football. They're not going to get that opportunity. Those are the type of games you get those young athletes in. Those are the guys, you know, uh, that you're able to kind of call that time out and take out the the leaders and bring in, you know, the second string, the third string. I mean, who knows, you know, what, what happens here. Uh, but kind of talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the article that I released, uh, I believe it was yesterday during the actual show that, uh, Everton has done right here on Southern Sports Central. It had a 1,000-plus games now are in the books, and the news is good. You know, to acknowledge, the uh, there have been no reported cases of significant community spread following a high school football game. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this could be, you know, uh, again, taken out of Michigan. I'm trying to find the article's uh, origin here. But the high schools in the state of Utah have been playing now for four-plus weeks. Alabama, Indiana, Tennessee, and Alaska – have been playing for three-plus weeks. Significant number of states have now been playing for two-plus weeks. Data shows that there has not been any significant spike in COVID cases of any in the states that have been playing football for the last two to four weeks. Now, Of course, uh, late last week, Michigan reversed field and now plans to play in the fall. Remember, they were actually scheduled to play, if I'm not mistaken, in the spring. So uh, that means first practices are happening right now. Now, today Colorado governor came out in support of doing the same thing. Hopefully the data will continue and uh, we'll see the support uh, from uh, all the safe return from playing a uh, more athletic or athletics and athletes have the opportunity to play the game uh, that they love to play this year. And again, don't want to take out any other sport, just not talking about football. We're talking volleyball. We're talking tennis. We're talking swimming. You know, cross-country is happening right now. These are all sports that are just on the heart level, and I say that because I'm going to prevy this, Is anything else. I, financially, Eugene, we know that football is the cash cow. They are the money producer. They are paying the bills. So that's why – That's why you see football getting as much acknowledgement because without football and I get it, you know, thank God that they readjusted and the state of South Carolina, they, they went and they appealed the number of fans and that's how they were able to get in a 50% type of number. That's why you're going to see a lot larger numbers than originally we thought we were going to see, which could have easily been none. Like you'll see in a lot of NFL stadiums, like you'll see when Clemson plays Wake Forest, there will be no fans. There is a lot of changes And I just thank God, and hopefully it it, it pans out, that not only moms and dads, but ticket holders. And I know a lot of people scurry to their cell phones and bought season tickets in their local high school communities because that guarantees you a slot. That takes that number down of availability. I just, again, I can't say it enough. I can't echo this enough. Just follow the rules. Do what they ask you to do. Do it this way so that we can see another day. Because it doesn't take us by having one or maybe two tough scenarios where lawmakers are forced to go in a different direction. Now, and like you mentioned, uh, my children actually are in Dorchester County, too. And they are going to the hybrid, which means in B days, this is. Uh, and I get it. That's fine. But, you know, my concerns are, there, are still there are some when you're confined into small hallways. And, again, when you're the second largest high school or the fourth largest high school or – the, the largest high school, like Wando, where it's elbows to elbows. Students will be students. Moms and dads, please be moms and dads. I think that's the biggest thing, and I had this conversation with some coaches today. I don't know where my generation went wrong at times, but you need to stop being their friend. Stop trying to wear their clothes. Stop trying to fist bump them to be the cool parents, because cool parents have badass kids. And I said that, what you just heard, that's what I said. Normally, the cool parents are the parents that the kids that I don't want nothing to do with. I want, and I need, and I have the respect for my kids. They understand that we not friends, haven't been since the day they came in, and it won't be on the day I go out. And I speak that into existence because I got to go before they go, because that's just the way I think it's always supposed to be. But Eugene, you and I right here in the same. Ball game, as far as the age bracket goes, man. And I think that's something that has got to be foremost and up the front. Is that when we come back into this new society and this new situation and this new lifestyle that we're living now, hey, don't forget about the family memories and the moments that you made and the bond that you guys had during this hard times. And don't forget about the video games and the board games and the walks in the neighborhood. Don't get away from that, guys. Stay involved with your families. And number two, Keep them accountable. Keep them accountable. Hold on to the teeth. You were held to the teeth. We were all held to the teeth. My neighbors used to beat me. Man, my neighbor's neighbors used to beat me. Man, my mailman used to swing by the house, I swear, just to beat me. Because that's how we were raised. The neighborhood raised the kids in the neighborhood. Right, Eugene? I know it wasn't that long ago for you. You're a Walter, boy, man. I'm sure everybody at Walter, bro, beats you, bro. Well,
2: I'm telling you, the worst one you ever got was the bus driver. Because if the bus driver ever pulled over and paddled you behind, then told your mama, then you got paddled by your mama, and then for me it was my mama, and then the worst one came. The worst one came, and that's when you had to go across the street to your grandma's house, and she used to sit at the table, and she used to sit there and sip her coffee. And you you had to sit at the table, explain what you did and why you did it, and then she had the same right. plan, go cut me a switch. And boy, you better not bring back some little twig. Because you brought about a little twig, then she had to go get one. She had to go get one that was worse, because then she wouldn't say anything. She'd just catch in the shower. And when that curtain rolled back, then legs <laughs> started burning, man. The legs started burning, man. You don't forget that stuff. But, you know, I told my daughter, as you know, my daughter came home last night. Right. And I told her, so we basically, my son and I, we basically got two rules here. It's respect and be accountable. That was it. Hmm. Respect and accountability. So when you said that accountability word, it just kind of made me smile. And that was it. You know, you're accountable that's for it. yourself and you're accountable for everybody else in the house. You know, you right. you dirty a dish, you put it in the sink or you put it in the dishwasher. The trash is full, you take it out. I shouldn't have to say take the trash out. You open that lid, you saw it's full. And you put something in. Mm. So we just, you know, and that was it. I just told her, I said, we got two rules. Respect and accountability, you know, and, and so far so good. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. That's the way it has to be. You know, if we're going to function right. just like the house is. A house is a microcosm of society, and that's the way I look right. at it. You know, and, and just like you said about the 10, you know, the 1,000 games that's been played so far, you know, we've, we've also played games in South Carolina and Georgia. You know, if they do the same right. thing, that accountability, if you respect the, your opponent and, and, and the people around you and do the right thing and hold yourself accountable and the other cats hold themselves accountable, we'll be all right. I think we're going to be all right. right. You know, and even though we played right. all these games, we're still seeing all these downticks in numbers. Okay, well, let's don't just give up now. Let's just keep on doing what we're doing. Keep that numbers down. Right. You know, let's, let's hope, you know, by next season, we won't have to, you know, say it's a new normal. Let's, you know, we're going to call it existence. We're going to be back to normal. And, and, but back to normal in the way we went about things, but not like you said. Let's don't forget the positive. You know, let's go back to right. normal where, you know, we still got those negatives. Let's keep the good things
10: we learned and then bring back the good things we had, so to speak. Right. Well, I think you nailed it, Eugene. And again, yes, we can sit here and talk sports. Y'all been doing that since it started at six o'clock. I figured we'd have a little coming to Jesus meeting for the final 10. And it's just this simple. Champions play like champions, whether you're in a football game, a baseball game, or you're sitting down the street, you should be a champion 24-7. Okay, you didn't get to be a champion by just showing up. No, you got to practice. In other words, I'm telling you that you need to continue doing what you're doing. Hey, man, get out of people's face. Hey, man, wash your freaking hands when you walk out of the bathroom. I told you the story that happened in the Publix. This ought to be, on a, this ought to be like virtually incredibly retweeted everywhere. And I remember walking into a bathroom at Publix to use the restroom, and this dude, I guess he just got done using the bathroom. He's rolling out. Well, he didn't realize is that little Johnny, six years old, noticed that he didn't wash his hands. And little Johnny yells, hey, mister, you forgot to wash your hands. Now I know that guy didn't go grocery shopping yet, but he sure did make a beeline to the cart with a red face. I mean, red like Applebee's sign type of red face. It was, it was, in, it was funny to me, but it wasn't so funny to that guy. And I'm going to tell you this. You don't think right now kids ain't watching everything you can do? You know, my son, I was coming back from Myrtle Beach. Went to see my parents, did the show there in Surfside, which, I, man, I love doing the show back home sometimes. It's just a nice change of pace. You can smell the salt air. It was just a great show. We had great guests lined up. It was just a great job overall from everything and everyone that came in. That being said, my son said, Dad, I don't know a lot, but I know I might not see everything, but I bet you I hear everything, Daddy. I said, What you mean, son? He goes, Well, what time you or, or Mom or, or Mr. James, which is his stepdad, he says, when y'all say things, I hear everything you say. I just don't watch everything you do, but I do hear you. And, and I think that's the key. Kids are hearing what you're saying, and they're watching what you're doing, yeah. But let's just be, for example, my son plays on his little cell phone like everybody else's kids. That's that virtual society that they live in. But you don't think for one minute when his neck, by the way, these kids are all going to have the worst next in, in, in the world of, of, of vertebrates because they're all looking down. But you don't think for one minute when when he's not looking down, he's hearing everything we say. From the car ride to wherever to whatever he's listening. And he made that very clear to me. And I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty impactful. You know, there's a there's a song that that's played and it reminds me a lot of my young son. You know, uh, you know, they'll say what you say and, and, and most of the time they will do what you do, but they always hear you. So let them hear you speak positive. You know, I, I think it's important for me, you know, that I try to have conversations with my kids. And I told them this. I said, look, when you go back to school, I need you to put in your own bubble. I need you to be socially acceptable around your your your, your friends and your classmates. And, and I need you to make sure that you show respect. It's not being rude when you're not up in somebody's face. It's respect. And, and just remember. But Eugene, I think you nailed it, dude, because – and I say this about everything in life. God is – Even through the bad, God is always going to show us some good. He's always going to put some positive fruit on your path. It's up to you to find it. It's up to you to use it. And it's up to you to be the difference. You know, I have multiple opportunities to run into people in multiple ways, man. And even today, I ran into a young lady, an older lady. She's in her late 60s, maybe early 70s. Her husband is in his 89th year of living on this earth. He was diagnosed 11 years with cancer. 11 years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer. The doctor said, well, you can do this or you can do that, or you can just live in because something else might grab you before the cancer ends up getting you. It got 11 years. He baited it, and he was, he was doing his thing. As of right now, when I left, of course, her uh, presence with her family, we prayed, and it was just to say thank you, God, for giving us 11 years with him. Thank you, God, for allowing us to enjoy the 11 years that he gave us, whether tonight's his last night, or tomorrow night or the next night. Now, here's the kicker out of this. They can't even go see him because of what's going on with COVID. They can't see him. They have to talk to him on the phone, and I don't even know how much that's happening. He's not in great shape. So while we're going through things, and we understand that there's a lot going on, guys, understand there's always somebody going through something worse than you. Pick yourself up. Live to see another day. Be the difference. Be the light. And let's have some fun. Twenty twenty. It's up to you how we spend the rest of this year. And I just hope September and October and you can continue the dates here that we continue to go out and enjoy football season. I hope that we continue to go out and just really enjoy it. And that's the thing. I told a lot of guys this at practice today, and I'll tell everybody listening tonight, you better play every down. You better play every opportunity. You better live every minute God gives you like it's your last on this earth, whether you're on a football field, a baseball field, or you're shooting hoops. It doesn't matter what you're doing or you're counting calculus. You better be the best at the best of the best and giving to your best at all times because you never know. You never know. And we've learned that. We have said so many times on this show, we've lost a brother of ours who was a coach. Heck, we've lost a couple brothers. Eugene, of course, lost a very close friend over at Oceanside. He and I lost a very common friend that was connected to Socrates High School and multiple other connections. We've seen an athletic director. We've seen a head. But we've seen multiple coaches that have been called home during this COVID thing. And I don't know if we saw all of that happening in the midst of everything that's happening. So I just ask you, get off this radio tonight. Call your mama. The' Call says it best. Love your mom. Love your neighbors. But start by loving yourself. That's where it all starts, guys. So, yeah, we're getting a little sauce of cinnamon here, the final three minutes before I kick us off the air. I send this back. Don't forget, tomorrow night at 6 30, Miss V from the South Carolina High School Blitz will debut her show right here on Southern Sports Central. She's got a player and two coaches because they are going to have, we are going to have a Junior Bowl. In Columbia, Coach Smitty's the coach on one and they got another coach, coaching the upstate. And we're gonna be doing a senior bowl. We're looking at the low country, we're calling out the low country. We'll have two coaches for that too. With the cancellation of the Shrine Bowl and the North South Bowl, we're gonna do what we can, young guys. We're gonna do what we can to get you on the field and get you some opportunity. Stay tuned to that. You wanna listen tomorrow night, Ms. V's probably got a lot to unveil with that all being said as well. Eugene, you did a great job tonight. We're up against the clock. Appreciate you, my man. Anything, of course, you need, reaching out. Until next time, which will be tomorrow night at 630, you'll hear Southern Sports Central Live. Man, but great job tonight, buddy. Yeah,
2: I just want to leave with this, man. It's something that uh, I think I'm pretty passionate about. Uh, The high school league voted to charge every high school coach uh, $25 for the season for the high school league pass. That's something that's not happened before. I really think that's a, a bad action by the high school league. If you're a high school coach, I think you uh, probably need to make your voice heard. You know, you do enough uh, as an assistant, as a head coach, as, as a mentor of these youth. If you want to go to a high school event to support the other kids at your school, you should be able to do so without having to pay that $25 league pass. I think it's a shady way, in my opinion, to collect that 20 – collect fees uh, from folks who are already vastly underpaid, who do a great job in uh, volunteering for the most part uh, their time to help the high school kids prepare, you know, to enjoy the high school experience and to prepare themselves uh, for the next level and for life, whether it be athletics or you know, life in, in, in the corporate world, or business world, or or military or whatever it may be. So, uh, if you're a high school coach out there listening. I just want to know that they passed that they charge you $25. I I really think you guys need to get out and your voice heard. Uh, That said, uh, everybody have a great week. It's been a a great week on the show. I know we have um, a new schedule up, so uh, check out the page and see the lineup and uh, tune in. Miss B is a wonderful person. Looking forward to hearing her tomorrow night.
10: No doubt, Eugene, on behalf of all of us, all of you, God bless. Stay safe, and until tomorrow night at 6.30, we'll see you then, guys. God bless you.
0: Wolf pack is back a mass destruction. Guess who sees the bad boys me. Just Testing competition when the war is the mission. Not no mercy, see the ring, set the street. If you don't know, you better find out the wolf pack. Here's a point. Number one, just believe that you don't want to touch with them. I'll be here all them, coming to the ring with them, you're never walking out again. Don't turn your back on the wolf pack. Don't tell your back. the body bag.